Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zachary. I'm your host. Joining me today is a full panel of special guests. So first up, we've got, uh, as always, Josh Torres. Yo, what's up? It's been a lively week. Yes, it has been. And then we've got Adam Vitali. Hey. Hey, Adam. Hi. And uh, returning back, we got Andrea Sharon. Hello, everyone. And then finally, we've got Natalie. I'm sorry, I forgot your last name. Flora. Damn. Flores, yes. Damn. Cool. Such an easy. Such an easy it. Hey, Liz, I got uh, almost there. Great. Hi. Great start, guys. Great start. <laughs> Should right. we start over? No. No. <laughs> no we've got... That's embarrassing. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, I think I think we'll be okay. It's okay. It's okay. At least I didn't completely botch your name like I did Andrea one time. All right. So... He called me Andrea Torres. Okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's just a last name. We'll be fine. All right, so we've actually got a lot of stuff to talk about, as opposed to last week, which was sort of dry. Um, a lot of this kind of coming up pretty recently, uh, in fact, in the last about 48 hours or so, but um, there's some bigger topics we need to get to. So let's just go ahead and uh, get right into it. Uh, the big release this past Tuesday, uh, at least in America, Wednesday in Europe, I believe, um, was Mass Effect Andromeda. So I know that Andrea and Natalie, you both had a chance to actually play the game pre-release, and right. uh, you've been helping out on some of the uh, content that we've had post post-release with the guides and such. And so I wanted to really get you guys' um, or girls' take on this game. So the big thing is uh, there's been a huge mixed reaction to this game, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously not mm-hmm. living up to some people's expectations, but I just want to first kind of get your both. Um, you're both of experiences with the series and what uh, your expectations were leading up to this. So first, Andrea, let's start with you. What were you, I know you've been a huge fan. It's been no secret to a lot of us on staff, right. anyone who's been around. Uh, I've been a big fan, especially of uh, a Garrus fan. So I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I wanted to kind of get your experience and, and sort of uh, just briefly explain your experience with this, uh, your, your appreciation for the series and what you were looking forward to with this game. All right, so I guess it's it's important to identify the fact that I own a Garrus statue, and it comes up to about my knee. It's very large, and then I ordered a fake one. Um, (laughs) So I am a big fan of the series. Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game of all time, sometimes, usually. Sometimes it's Xenosaga. It kind of depends on the day. But... (laughs) but but no so i had huge expectations going in and it's not so much that this game let me down um in the sense that it's not a mass effect i think if you remove all the jank it's important to like acknowledge that it totally does fit in the series i mean it's my fourth favorite if we're ranking them all but it's still a pretty big claim when there's only four games (laughs) right right what i'm saying is like it doesn't you know it it doesn't not it doesn't dethrone any of the rest of them sure um so like I feel like it it has earned its spot alongside of the other three, but I mean the elephant in the room that there's that there's clearly some jank um, with it. But a lot of it, if you, what a lot of people are doing, you know, is taking like that one clip in this game that you could probably spend sixty hours on easy if you're doing all the side quests and everything, and posting that two seconds out of you know a whole mission that probably took you two hours of it. Like the one I posted where Ryder's head turns around halfway. And that is the exorcist. (laughs) Right, right. And that's, that's, 
in a part that, you know, was like a 45 minute scene. And that was the only thing I encountered that was messed up. Um, and it, it doesn't really take away that much for me. It's more of the, I was getting a lot of like crashing and things like that. Like with the multiplayer, it crashed twice on me. And that oh, was wow. extremely frustrating to make it so far into the multiplayer only to have it like, you know, go dead on you like the whole game. Yeah, so I've, I've been hearing about the crashes and such, but I did I did want to ask, yeah. uh, according to that, um, that do you believe because there's been sort of this uh, sort of this controversy in that there's sort of a double standard going on that people are quick to bash this kind of game must have I mean obviously it's it's in reaction to the uh, the ending for three that a lot of people mm-hmm. are quick to jump on this game. Do you believe that there's a double standard when it comes to say Bethesda's games versus Mass Effect? That's what another thing that I wanted to point out. Like, I don't understand how Fallout 4 gets away with some crap that I've encountered that was way worse um, than this. And um, Skyrim, too. Like, it, and but, you know, those games are consistently like 9-10, 10-10. But then Bioware does it, and not even on nearly as bad a scale, to me, at least. And it's the end of the world. I, I don't. Do you like the Bethesda games, though? I should no, ask. No, actually, I don't oh, okay. like the Bethesda That's games at all. Some context, um, but you know, it's still yeah, something yeah, to yeah. bring up. Yeah, I like the first Fallout. I'm playing through it right now, but they're uh, first slowly. Are oh, you talking about yeah, Fallout Three one. or Fallout One? <laughs> Fallout One. Fallout okay. One. Some people it are so quick to say, "Oh, wait, they're, no, I mean just Fallout like how 3, the first sorry. Persona is Persona Three, okay? Yeah, okay, but I agree with that. Yeah, but I, I totally, I love Persona Two. I totally don't like the double standard too, because I like the fallout 3 especially on ps3 if you remember that like people like that thing was just a freaking mess technical yeah. mess on, on release but people were so like a lot of, a lot of outlets that were so quick to like hand wave that because you know i get the the fallout experience like there's a lot of like cool neat things like uh search and learn the world has a unique atmosphere but it's just they're the the culmination of technical like just mm-hmm. crashes and complications that like i understand how bethesda games like work at an intricate level because they're very persistent worlds so it leads to it's inevitable that that kind of stuff kind of happens but it shouldn't be used as like that should be an excuse to you know simply hand me because like you know that's how their games work that's how their games always have worked it's it's a very flimsy reason to me and i don't think like any game really should really get away with you know big big technical hiccups like that yeah, and that's right. actually important to point out that, you know, even if we are saying that it's it's a shame that uh, other games aren't hold up to the same standard, it's clear that no game, whether it be Mass Effect or Bethesda's games or anything like that, should ever, no one else should ever have to be put, uh, put up with this type of uh, bad Q&A. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, Natalie, to you, though, uh, we obviously you're new to the staff, and so I do really want to uh, mm. know your history with the with the series. Once again, we'll keep that part brief and sort of your expectations going into Mass Effect Andromeda. So, what's what's um what's your appreciation for this series been like? Do you own um, a Gara statue? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, when oh, I have yeah. the money, I would really like to. But I also um <laughs> I have a tradition where every N seven days since I've played Mass Effect, I wear my N seven shirt. Whether I'm going to stay in the house or if I'm going to go to school uh, or work, yeah. I I have to wear that shirt oh. on that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Mass Effect. Um, I have a similar appreciation for it. Um, it's my favorite series of all time. Um, I would go into like personal details about how much it means to me, but that would take more than the brief time that um, that I have right now. So I'll just say that um, it definitely changed my life, and I don't 
think I would necessarily be here or at least be the same person if it wasn't for this series. So I did have like huge expectations for um, for Andromeda and I was just really super excited to just go into this world again that is so you know full of possibilities for new things but that also feels familiar just because I'm familiar with the characters the races and I was really excited for it yeah. There's not really that many RPGs you can point to that sort of nail that uh, kind of space opera or very sci-fi uh, heavy RPG style. I mean, you can kind of say like, oh, Star Ocean, but it's it's not quite like that. In this case, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of meant to be yeah, uh, a way more open experience. We won't really have another game quite like it until maybe Cyberpunk 2077. So it is something that uh, kind of stands out from the rest of that. And you've also got... You know, Witcher 3 from a couple years ago set a lot of benchmarks for people's expectations of the series. So um, before getting to the like the sort of nitty gritty about that, how about we, since so many people tend to focus on the negatives, like Andrea said, how about we talk a little bit more of the positives uh, from what you guys had? So Mm. um, Natalie, since we talked to Andrea first before, let's talk to you. Um, What have been sort of the highlights of your experience with the Jamada? First off, actually, have you beaten the game yet? Oh, yes. Um, I finished it uh, the day before the embargo went up. Oh, yeah. Nice. So I oh. finished it last Sunday, exactly a week from now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't want to say like we, we can sit here and ignore the negatives. That's clearly, you know, I think the Internet's done a good enough job with that. Let's <laughs> focus on a little bit more about your, your good experiences. So, so far, um, what have been your positive experience with this? Like uh, certain areas, uh, certain experiences, certain quests, like what have been your positive experiences with this? I would say that, um, I would say it's the characters. You know, I I play Bioware games because it's so easy to get attached to the characters that you interact with on a really personal level. Um, And in terms of being a worthy entry into the series and being a worthy Bioware title, I, I do think in spite of all of its flaws, I do think it succeeded in that because I, I really grew to love the characters. Um, I feel like a lot of people out there might not be so open to giving this new cast a chance because we have an entire trilogy that developed the characters that we've grown to know and love from the original trilogy but we have to go into this with an open mind that this is the first game out of how many ever games um the andromeda series will be if it it'll even follow the writer siblings still in the future um and that we should maybe be more open-minded about giving these characters a chance because they're actually like they're very well-rounded they're very well-written i know that in um in mass effect one not everyone stood out to me um and the same thing happened here not everyone stood out to me here some stood out more than others but i do think that all the characters felt complex and they felt very well written and they all had their quirks and I really liked getting to know more about them. Yeah, it should be important to point out though that EA did say a few months ago that uh, Andromeda isn't the start of a trilogy. It's supposed to be its own self-contained experience and so maybe perhaps the DLC or something like that we'll get to know them a little bit more so uh, we'll have to find out about that. So yeah, if it's been a lot of the characters that's sort of been what I've been hearing as well. I mean, sure... Once again, like uh, Andrew was talking about, people like to point out some of the more cringy dialogue with the uh, emphasis on the cringe, uh, such right. as like memes and whatnot, like uh, kill me, <laughs> kill me already or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> that kind of ridiculous stuff. But once again, it's a 60 hour experience for a lot of people. So Andrew, how, what have been sort of your, your highlights for this? Is this sort of the same as Nelly or something different as well? 
Right. So I think what Natalie touched on is important to like kind of reiterate. That's what whenever I first started, I kind of went in like, oh, where's my Garrus? Where is my Thane? Where is my Joker? And I mean, that's not the attitude to <laughs> take Seth into Green, Andromeda. Yes. Yeah. Where's Seth Green? <laughs> Waiting for um, that voice. Yeah. And, you know, to hold Ryder to the standard of Shepard. And then you have to go back and remember, this is the first game. You know, there might not even be another one with Ryder and everyone else. Like they may all be gone by the time we have the next one roll around. Yeah. But. I think it's great that they started out distancing Ryder and her whole crew as far as possible as they could from the original trilogy. So we don't have everything is just kind of like light references. There is no like Garrus busting through the door and seeing sadly, any of those characters. Very sadly. <laughs> I, I mean, not him. that I would complain. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> But it is good. I think that they they distance themselves from that. And I talked about it in my review. Um, the first mission is really good, not the the EOS part, but the part where that's like introducing you to the game. Um, but there's this moment where um, I mean, I won't get into too much of what's happening. Where oh, writers, yeah. yeah, where writers' father is like doing something, and you kind of realize like the magnitude of the situation, and the music kicks in, and there's this big aha moment and that's when I was kind of like oh this is Mass Effect and at that point I realized that I really was going to like it and then you go to EOS and it's kind of awful for like three hours (laughs) but then then it picks back up everybody is quick to talk about EOS um but no even like the side quests um it it reminds me a lot of Mass Effect 2 where you can kind of you can have like very different Mass Effect 2 experiences. You can ignore all of the side missions, and then it's a terrible game, so I'm not really sure why you would do that. Um, so with Andromeda, it's much the same way. If you just plow through the game and don't do any of the side stuff, then, I mean, it's not... I don't think it's going to be very good. The main mission itself is great, but you add to it by giving it context through these side missions and through learning why everyone is there. And that's one of my favorite things to do too on another note is you talk to these people and everybody has been cryogenically frozen for like what, 500 years. And so you, you can ask people like what led you to do this? Because that's a huge step. And most characters have like a story they want to tell you. So some of them are running from something. Some of them just want to change some of the, just all sorts of different reasons. So it's really kind of interesting to learn each character's motives for taking such a huge leap writer in particular um, and his family. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I did hear that uh, about halfway through the game or something like that. Like the story, everything starts to really pick up. I know that's kind of a weird excuse. It's like saying like with Final Fantasy thirteen, <laughs> wait till Grand Pulse. It's going to get so much better. <laughs> so like, after 40 hours, it's going to be better. Guys. Yeah, it's, it's right. a really, it's like, I wish the first, you know, 40 hours was great as well. So I, I totally understand that consideration. But is that kind of the experience you had as well? It's like after a certain part, it does get a lot better than what you'd expect. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think it's like the first half of the game. I really think it's just Eos. That was my my mantra for getting through there was like, I just got to get off this planet. Just get off this planet. It's not even Eos. Like I talked to our editor about it, Alex, and he was like, oh, you know, it's not like Eos is not a bad planet. Like you go back to it and it's a ton of fun. But that first mission locks you into this like path after I had seen all of this, you know, these demonstrations in Mass Effect where it's like, oh, it's about exploring and you can go wherever you want on this planet. And I'm like trying to drive off the path and it's like the radiation's going to kill you. I, um, I did hear so. some things about like how some of the quests, especially there, uh, are super convenient. 
Like, oh, the this certain race, uh, the ship for this certain race happened to crash land right next to you, and so like, you, of course, you can do all these missions. Is that kind right. of the experience you had as well? Yeah, it seemed like a lot of that stuff was super convenient. Like they they wrote it in like that. Yeah, I mean, it is, but like after you get past that first part when it comes to exploration, I, I mean, I had a good time after you just really have to have that mm. same mantra as you did in like inquisition of get out of the hinterlands and yeah and, um, absolutely yeah I, and like get off the the citadel what's that josh or that was me oh, can adam, i adam. adam uh can i just jump back a second because yeah. i haven't actually been paying a whole lot of attention to this game so like what is it that's so bad about eos is it mainly that they just like like lock you out of a lot of elements that the game has later or is it just like it's <gasps> it's holding your hand too much or something like that. So for me, like I really hated how you get introduced first of all, to like three characters in a row right there, like right at Eos. Um, so the pacing feels really off because they're just like throwing all of this stuff at you. And then there's, so you have this big open map, but it literally makes you go in like a sea. So you can't even like really drive through the middle of the sea without hitting. Like that's what the map is shaped like. Um, without hitting radiation or something stupid like that. So you can see all of these like other places where you can go, but you have to go in this very linear direction. And it's just, to me, it was infuriating. And that coupled with these awful little puzzles that they had, you had to hit these little... Oh, God, they, they were called? awful. What are monoliths? Called? Yeah, the, the monoliths. Yeah. Oh, my God, so, they're so bad. And you have to do three of those in a row. And those are yeah. infuriating. And They're I hope so they bad. never do that They really again. break up the pacing. I really did not like them. Right. I, I kept having to pause the game and be like, man, just get off this planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say that in general, like, I thought of Andromeda kind of similarly to its own protagonist. So I feel like um, the game really works to separate Ryder from Shepard in the sense that Shepard was this, you know, commander. They were very confident. They had all this experience. And while Ryder knows, um, you know, has a background about what they're doing, they lack the experience. So I feel like just in the way that Ryder takes kind of a good amount of time in order to really gain their confidence and kind of stop being shaky, stop being uncertain, and really gain that confidence to kind of shine in the story. Mass Effect Andromeda as a game itself really does the same. It takes a while to pick up. But by the final mission, I thought the final mission, like no spoilers or anything, but I thought it was really good. I thought it finally took like some risk that I didn't really see throughout the entire game. Took a lot more risk. I really liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm kind of interested just like in general, like interface wise, because I've heard so much about, you know, like the the interface doesn't seem like optimized, like to get back, like from the, like, say, customizing something in the Mm -hmm. menu to go back into gameplay. It takes like, like five to six screens to get back into the actual game. Like, is there, I I just heard that from like several people playing the game. Can you like kind of elaborate on that? So my experience with that is... If I wouldn't even have a problem with so many screens if I played on the PlayStation 4. I kind of regret it and wish I would have played on the PC. Oh, really? But, <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it lagged like crazy for me. And that was 
really irritating. Is that the like, gameplay itself or just the, the screens are laggy? The screens. Itself? The oh, screens okay. were really laggy. Um, so like, Are you talking about like the, the skills page? Yeah, so you, yeah. Yeah, you go into the skills page and it's like, how long do I have to wait to see how many skill points I have available? And then whenever I'm like putting them in, how long is it going to take? And then I'll put too many into one skill because oh, no. it took too long for oh, it to like realize. Oh, oh shit. That That's was bad. really irritating. And, and there's um, no way to like take that back after you you put it in. You can you can redo it yourself. Okay. Can't okay. you? You can. I think. Can't you? Know? Yeah. I, I didn't actually redo anything. Yeah. Oh, you can. I mean, you can do it right there. Cool. You have to confirm whether you want the changes. But if you mess up, there's a respect station on the Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. Does that I cost? Does that thing, cost but... money? Yeah. Yeah, it costs a lot of money oh, <laughs> well, to the first one. <laughs> now, every time I did it, I was like, well, I guess this is overpowered now. I don't really care. <laughs> that didn't happen to me, but I, I did uh, have to wait a long while for the skills to actually load up to see how many points I had. So. Oh, man, <laughs> that's a shame. I wonder if that's a console specific or because I did hear good things about the PC version. So I'm kind of surprised that there's no real standard for that. It's a damn shame. Yeah. All my friends that played the PC version have told me that they, they didn't have that problem, really. I've talked to a few people with it. So I think it, I feel like it's a PS4 thing, maybe. Or maybe it's PS4 and Xbox. I don't know. See, that's no, we the... had some nasty Sorry. glitches on the PS4. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's, a, that's actually a, a good th- point to make. Because earlier, of course, we were talking about the, the, uh, the appearance of glitches and bugs and things like that. It does mm-hmm. really come down to your setup and which version you're reviewing. Right. So there's clearly going to be a lot of that sort of discrepancy that's hard to follow. And so it's hard. It's kind of difficult to review a game like that. But I think that there are, of course, some glitches that people experience across the board. Like when Andrea was showing off, like the the actual like physical glitches and, and apparently all this other stuff. I, I do know that there was like... Um, there was a Twitter thread that I saw that this animator made basically explaining about how, and he's like this very experienced animator talking about mm-hmm. what the problems mm-hmm. that Bioware had with making their animation engine and the way that they took off, like, what is it kind of the, um, the tiers of, of, uh, level, uh, excuse me, the, the tiers of the animation quality. And so like the characters that you probably wouldn't really approach so much. Oh, I know who it is. It was actually the, um, Naughty Dogs animator. He talked right, about right. how, yeah, yeah Andrew, you, you heard about this. Like, do, do you I know did. what he talked about? Uh, I know he was talking about, like, so you're not going to, like, specifically, because you have the algorithm, right, that automatically um, illustrates those scenes for you. So you're not going to get the same quality of reaction out of every single one of them. Um, what is sort of upsetting is that, so that doesn't seem to always be the case because you would think that there's there's a point right after um, the main mission where Ryder finds out some serious news and is very just like stone faced and it's uh. not what I would expect and that was really the only time where the face thing just like really frustrated me. Um, other than that, I mean, it was a Bioware game. I know that's not an excuse, but I I'm not sure where everybody got their expectations from, but I've never thought that Bioware games <laughs> looked particularly well or had particularly good facial animations no. um they, they've always kind of looked janky to me that's where the bioware jank comes from yeah. but i mean it, it was that mission in particular that you would think somebody would pay very special attention to because it's such a huge deal that 
I, I don't know that I did appreciate his thread. Like, don't get me wrong at all. And I, I totally get the point he was making, but that one scene in particular really upset me that Ryder just looked so. She looked disconnected. Especially when yeah. the character is like supposed to be kind of like your avatar. And like, if their kind of reaction doesn't seem to match yours, you kind of have that. Oh no. Discrepancy. That's so sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a cry baby. So I felt myself tearing up, but then yeah. I was looking at my writer's face and I was like, oh, no. I can't do it. No. Right. <laughs> Oh. No. We do have yeah. another uh, Andromeda player who just dropped by right now. Alex has just joined us. Oh, What's up, Alex? Hello. Alex Donaldson, welcome. He's here. Yeah, yeah. We, we were just talking about the uh, uh, Alex. You actually shared this on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I, I, could, I, could, I could hear. I got in. A, I got in like towards the start of that. Uh, of that little bit there. So, um, Go for it. <laughs> I don't know. The fact you know the face thing is, uh, I think a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the the stuff that went out online in little videos on Twitter and things like that uh, was the absolute worst right. uh, for sure of the stuff in the game. I think a lot of the time for me, once the game actually got good, because it takes a bit of time to really get there, but once it got good, a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff, yes, the basic lip flap most of the time isn't very good. Um, but... I would say 90% of the time, once I actually got into the the, the meat of the game, uh, none of that mattered to me. It's just those big moments, as Andrew was just saying, uh, where you you end up going like, "Um, now this is pulling me out of it. Yeah. Um, Mm. But before that, it's, you know, you don't, I at least didn't really, um, you know, from, from moment to moment, I don't really think about it. And there are, it's weird. You can almost, there are definitely parts of the game where you can see that somebody, uh, somebody did touch it in a much more personal way. There are little scenes here and there. There are little moments here and there for certain characters. Certainly a lot of the relationship scenes with the crew where the, the lip sync is as good, uh, if not better than like Inquisition. But those moments are few and far between, which gives me the impression, and I think this is what Andrew was saying when I came in, that maybe, you know, uh, they, you know, in previous games and, and also in games like The Witcher, the flow was to was to have a algorithmic pass based on the script and based on the audio recording mm-hmm. and then have somebody come in and tidy it up and it almost looks like nobody tidied it up. It's it's kind right. of crazy when you think about it because Mass Effect Andromeda, it's using the latest version of Frostbite, right? And so you've got a game like, say, Battlefield 1 on that same engine that they put a lot of work into the animation. Cause yeah, but, yeah, but you faces. also need to remember in Battlefield 1, there is in grand total probably about 40 minutes of cutscenes. That's that's what I mean. Like, just like the Probably excuse... like a thousand lines of dialogue. Exactly. I, think I, it, yeah. I, I just mean as far as the excuse about the, the tools that they have available to them. Sorry. That's what, all I wanted to point I mean, out. The, about tools, the tools are good. The, the tools aren't an excuse but it is about time like to compare it to battlefield mm-hmm. is insane um because yes the characters in that game are nearly photorealistic cg looking stuff but the difference is is that there are probably under a thousand lines of dialogue in that game and sure. so it's much easier for somebody to sit and go through with a fine tooth comb you know even if you only have one facial na- uh, facial animator they can spend pretty much the entire of that development cycle doing nothing but that and they can get through it slowly but surely they can chip away but the problem here is you know even 
even Ryder, him or herself, has probably as many lines of dialogue as the whole of Battlefield 1 several times over. Fair enough, yeah. They've got to do all that twice, and then they've got to do everybody else. Yeah, and I think so, in total there's 70,000 lines for Andromeda, I think. Well, they, t- they, they told me, um, when I went to the preview thing, uh, Fabrice from Bioware told me that um, the squad mate with the least number of lines in Andromeda had more lines than Shepard in Mass Effect 3. Right. Right, yeah. With that being the game where Shepard spoke the most as well. Do you think this would have been a more tidy, like, production if they kind of, like, limited the scope of the game? Like, they kind of, maybe, like, say, not maybe, like, we cut two characters or something and it'd be, like, a lot, like, a better experience? Do you think it was just overly ambitious? It's hard to say because the problem is, is, I think, multifaceted. I think, you know, I think the signs are there that maybe this was a difficult development for them. Um, it's a lot of fresh know. blood, isn't it? Working on that game. It, it is, but I think even even beyond that, I think maybe, um, you know, one of the things, again, that Fabrice said to me when um, when I went to the preview event is I said, how come uh, the game isn't... Uh, how come you didn't go for, like, a traditional Mass Effect style where it's a lot of smaller worlds rather than these few big ones um that's obviously the mass effect one style which this emulates but mass effect two and three you know you go to a lot of planets but you see a very linear you think about what you see of you know of the salarian home planet or you've, or what you see of uh, sections of omega or anything like that it's all really very linear uh, and he basically said well we tried we built a lot of that stuff and then when we looked at it we were like no, we don't like it. And so I wonder how much they built, how much they, you know, it's that, it's that Final Fantasy uh, 15 situation where people were saying, but they had 10 years to build it. How is it not finished? And the true answer is, well, they didn't have 10 years to build it. They okay. threw it all yeah. away more or less and started again in, uh, in, what was it, 2012 in the case of that game. And I wonder, of Mass Effect Andromeda's five years, how many of those five years was actually moving towards the vision of what we got versus how much of it was experimenting, messing around, and then going, oh, wait, we don't want to do this, so let's adjust. And I think, honestly, they probably just didn't have the time, because definitely this is something where if you crun- if they'd crunched on on the animation for a couple more months, uh, it probably they probably would have been able to get it there through manual, you know, through people just going through manually and adjusting lip flaps. Um which is unfortunate, but, you know, games need to come out for fiscal year, all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of the complaints about the game I don't get. Like, I hear people say that the new cast are rubbish. I just disagree. I think most of them are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't get that either. I'm not really sure. Yeah, like, yeah the game same. Totally... It's in the same vein as, I mean, the writing to me is in the so, same vein as the previous. So To kind of switch gears a little bit, can someone just give me a brief, like, explanation I guess more mechanically, how is the actual like gameplay the same and different compared to like the Mass Effect trilogy? Is it like mostly the same sort of skill, you know, the psychic powers and the tech powers? Is it, you know, like this? Can someone explain how it's different from the old Mass Effect games? So, well, because I don't really know. That's a pretty broad question, actually, because it's 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 down like it's more class based now, isn't it? Or you can 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 switch them. The biggest difference that. Go ahead. 
Oh, the biggest difference that I felt for sure was not being able to control my squad mates. That was like immediately yeah. one of the big differences. Um, one of the biggest departures from the original trilogy. Yeah, so, I mean, the easiest way to say it is uh, the team that, the, the, the core of the Andromeda development team were the team that made Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. And the whole thing with the multiplayer in ME3 was, was that it they took the systems from that game and made it more action-based and more immediate. So one of the first things to go there, for instance, was the ability to sort of pause the combat or slow down combat with the powers wheel because it was multiplayer and you had no way to reliably do that in in a, in a multiplayer setting. So, you know, they had to keep that to an, to an extent, but basically they removed the focus on it, I guess you would say. They made mm-hmm. it more about having free powers that you had mapped to buttons. Andromeda is exactly like that. So the powers, powers wheel is gone. Everything is faster and more fluid. Um, it plays mm. much more like a, a proper action game, to be honest. Um, the other big change it, alongside that, to mix in with that, is that it, it's much more traversal. So you've got the jump jets. You can now jump. You couldn't jump in previous Mass Effect games, but they're you know big old space jump jets, so you can jump large differences distances. You can jump and aim, and when you aim while you're midair, your jump jets will sort of fire to keep you in midair for a second, so you can hover, you can dodge, and in this regard, the combat is the best I think combat has been for you playing on your own mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in any over any Mass Effect game. But the the problem on the flip side is. You know, as we say, they took away because it's so fast. They took away the ability for you to order your squad mates in order to keep it snappy, to keep it moving, and it feels like a loss because a lot of the Mass Effect combat is about combos. Um, there are certain attacks that prime it enemies, and then there are certain attacks that detonate enemies that are primed. And this is how you do a lot of damage with your powers over over time, and how you can make. You can prime with a tech attack and then detonate with a biotic attack for a certain effect and stuff like that. But when you are limited to free skills yourself at any given time, that means you've basically got to carry a skill that can prime and then a skill that can detonate and then something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you set yourself into the flow of, okay, I'm going to do this and then this and then come back to the start of the loop in order to start priming enemies again. And right. it can be satisfying, but it, it, it does feel more restrictive at the same time. I think that was the biggest thing for me when we talked about this before was the loss of that wheel um, because I spent a, the first probably a couple hours of that game like trying to figure out where my wheel was constantly. I mean, I knew it wasn't there, but it feels like it's supposed to be there. And I had trained myself through several other games that that wheel was there. And I think that was the biggest probably disappointment in that regard. But other than that, I did. I think the, the combat is an improvement. Yeah, combat is really fun. I just feel like... Um, when switching between favorites, it kind of breaks up the pacing a lot because I have to wait for the skills to cool down and then I have mm-hmm. to go into the, the pause menu in order to find the favorite that I want to switch to. And even though the combat was really fluid and fun, that kind of broke up the pacing a lot of the time. So I felt like we got a lot of options. We have so many skills this time around, but we're also limited to just three options that we can carry with us into battle that it felt felt very open but also limiting at the same time mm-hmm. yeah and I, and I think a lot of that was i think the skill system is a nice idea but i think it's a bit half-baked to give a little bit of uh clarity to that 
what this how the civic skill system works is you have rather than in mass effect trilogy you would pick a class at the start and that is very much like classic rpg stuff so you would the classes basically came down to like uh combat skills so weapon specialist uh biotic specialist it's basically the force tech spe- specialist which is all technology-based powers and then there were three more classes that were basically hybrid classes so my favorite class is vanguard which is a mixture of biotic and soldier um and those basic classifications remain but the way it works is at the start of the game you have access to every more or less apart from a few that are locked every single skill that is in the game and rather than classes you have profiles and basically the more skills you buy what you're doing is buying um you you buy the skill and every skill has an affinity so if you buy a biotic skill that biotic skill has a has an affinity to adept the pure biotic class and uh vanguard the the mixed class uh and then what you what you're basically doing is when you buy those skills you're gaining progress towards those profiles so if you pump a lot of skill points into the biotic skills you'll unlock the adept profile which you can then use which has associated with it certain buffs and bonuses based around playing a character in that playstyle. if you buy some biotic skills then you buy some combat skills it will then unlock you vanguard because it knows okay you want to use a mixture of these two things um so the idea is basically the, the classes that unlock for you unlock based on how you spend your skill points it's a great idea being more open like this but the problem is all it really does is encourage you to min max because if i'm vanguard i need to put all my points into biotics and combat otherwise i'm getting bonuses for tech and stuff for tech profiles and other profiles like that that i'm not using so it really encourages you to just focus down and so it's not as open as they think it is they talked a lot before launch about how it was going to be much more open, and it is theoretically, but it's not as open as I think they made out purely because, you know, you're kind of you're kind of handicapping yourself if you don't like adhere to. Yeah, right. because the more the class, you spend, the, quote, the higher class. your bonuses get. So it's like it's not just unlocking it because you unlock it with the first you unlock a class with the first few points you spend, and even if you do min max, you'll eventually unlock all the profiles in the game naturally. But the difference is, if you have a, um, and there's a great guide page on the site specifically about this, breaking it down. But if you, uh, at the start of the adept class, you might be getting a 10, 15% bonus to damage, biotic damage, biotic power damage. Mm-hmm. By, but if you pump a lot of points in and get to rank six, you'll then be getting a 40% bonus or a 50% bonus. And so that's the encouragement of, it's not just, oh, okay, I've unlocked the profile, I can move on and experiment in something else. It's, I've unlocked the profile, and now I want to double down and spend more money on these powers, not only to upgrade the powers, but also to further this, this profile, this class that I'm interested in. And so, therefore, you don't get to experiment until right. very late in the game when you've got so many skill points that it doesn't matter anymore. So there's, like, a clear right and wrong choice. Like, they can say all they want that it's, it's open, but... There's, there's very obviously well, it's, a, it's, a it's open in the sense that you can do what you want, right? But it's hard to walk away from the decisions you've made early on, unless you go to the respect station and start again, right? 
Speaking Sweet. of uh, right, right and wrong, how do you guys feel about like the loss of not, there's no Paragon and Renegade system anymore? How does the dialogue uh, well, tree looking like? It's the best thing. In my I opinion. like that. I thought that <laughs> I system like was awful. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't like it. Like it's you're either blue or red in all of your choices, and more often than not, I felt like Renegade Shepard was like out of character for how oh, Shepard's yeah. characterized yeah. and, oh, and yeah. other like the way people talk about Shepard otherwise like didn't change very much so you have renegade Shepard that's just an asshole and that's not how people talked about Shepard really <laughs> it's not like in so. other games where they have those options where it's like okay anytime someone sees you they're going to run away because they're scared of you no they're just still right. whatever he's just another <laughs> dude with some bad talk with the bad verbs that's a verbiage that's all it is I think that was a pretty I, good choice I don't know I, I have I have issues with it I, I don't think it's I don't think it's executed as well as it was executed in Inquisition. I think it's fine, but I just think... Um, I don't think the game gives you enough uh, choices that feel significant. Is it, like, divided up right. in any way, or do you actually have to mm. read all your choices this time? Like, well, uh, oh. So there's another problem, and it's a pet hate of mine, and I, I just... I, I hate it. I hate it. Um, and it's been like this in the whole Mass Effect series, so, you know, it's a thing. But, like, the, the text that is on the wheel yeah. not matching up to what is actually what actually comes out of his mouth even tonally oh, sometimes yeah. Yeah. that is irritating yeah. yes. um, like just display the full sentence at this point like come on <laughs> Christ's sake but um, also still like that where like they give you choices but that's not exactly what they're going to say right well, like, yeah no, so just oh. the fact, you know Shepard might uh, Shepard Ryder might you know you, you might pick for Ryder to say I'm sorry and Ryder might then say when you pick it Ryder might say there's nothing we can do and I'm like Oh, it's like, sorry, <laughs> sense, like oh well whatever <laughs> sorry um, it's or sometimes you pick a choice that oh, oh what? sorry oh, oh sometimes yeah. you pick a choice that um doesn't sound very harsh but then you say it and then writer gets really harsh with someone and you pick a fight and i'm like wait no i i, I didn't want to do that i didn't want to like, on the, on the, some of the words like oh wow okay that was like yeah that was that was like that happened throughout the Mass Effect series where people had that. I think that was like a constant problem to a lot of people. That also reminds me. The... Of, that also reminds me of Alpha Protocol, where it's like it, it just yeah. said like one word, like sarcastic, but like it actually meant like be an <laughs> asshole or something. <laughs> like one of the okay. one, one of the things I like is is the noose is is getting rid of Paragon and Renegade does allow them to make um, Ryder feel like more of a character. That's right. definitely a thing. Um, and it's good like those two are, are are funny and they're very different to Shepard because I think it would have been very easy um you know you could have been playing as the dad who very much is this sort of um gruff sort of shepherdy sort of figure in fact there's a character in the game that straight up compares the dad to Shepard mm-hmm. and and um it would have been very easy for them to make that kind of character again and what they've done is sort of make this they, they they sort of lean into the fact that uh, these two are young and green and new and slightly useless in a sense and i like that side of it I, you know um that sounds cool it's mm-hmm. it's there's sort of there's a there's a great moment very early in the game where like there's a you know there's a there's a meeting around oh the, that like, was, i love it <laughs> and sort of you sort of say a thing that is like your big statement and everyone just sort of walks off afterwards. Everyone's like, yep, okay, and just walks away. And Ryder's just left standing there, like, say, like, you know, uh, incredulous, like, I didn't dismiss anyone, but everyone just <laughs> walked away. And because that's what it's like on this ship, it's not like 
on the Normandy where everyone hangs up at Shepherd's every word, even from the first five minutes of the first game. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's like a class mm-hmm. system where Shepard obviously was like a very big deal, but Ryder's still trying to prove herself for him. Well, the, well the, like the at the very beginning the, of the first Mass Effect, you basically pick like you are you are already a war hero or yeah, already a whatever. Yeah. So right, like you already have that past history before the game starts, where Ryder does not. I'm yeah, kind of interested. Uh, I'm kind of interested, like uh, since this, this uh, Andromeda is doing something differently, where you where you pick either the male or female writer, and then you still have that uh, your sibling in the game. How like significant is that, like them being like the sibling being around you know, as another character, as opposed to like you know the first Mass Effect uh, trilogy? Does that like any meaningful thing? Without talking spoilers, the mm-hmm. sibling yeah, it just came out too. Of, yeah, the sibling isn't <laughs> around for a lot of the game. But right. it is significant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sibling matters in a in in a far bigger way than I thought was actually going to happen. Like there were things happened. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. I fucked up a bit with that too. I won't go do into they... now, but I definitely fucked that up. <laughs> do they do different things? So like, say, like, uh, say you, uh, whether you didn't pick female or male uh, writer, it's not like they just like reskin them and, and still well, doing the same the, thing. That's the other thing. Whoa. Because there are two different. Sorry, my mic went crazy. My headset went crazy. Then, because there are two different. Um, because there are two different riders in the story, and they're not just a male and female version of the same character. They are. Um, they are different characters. Okay. So if you play through, you know, they you'll broadly get the same responses to any given thing that's said to you, but they will have different tones and different words that they use and like mm. so one of the things i noticed is like in one of the uh romance subplots uh sarah is far more awkward than scott yeah like, she's just um <laughs> she's just a little bit awkward and a little bit useless and like you know uh, uh and giggling and shy sort of thing uh and scott is more a, a jockey sort of thing going on um they're different characters, and they're well-written different characters as well. So, and I do like that that Sarah, I mean, I don't think it's like a spoiler or anything, but how she she's quick to point out that she's the bigger sister when you talk yeah. about in reference to Scott. And yeah. it's just one of those things that I think are adorable. She was born a few seconds earlier, and she's like, this is my little brother, <laughs> and he's the baby. <laughs> that's a typical brother-sister <laughs> brother, thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's, that's exactly the sort of thing I mean where um, they didn't just retool those lines where... If when you flip that around, he says, "Oh well, this is my, uh, this is my big sister." They sort of they play with it in a way that's funny and interesting and, and different, and it's good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like this gives me more of a reason to do a second playthrough as Scott, as opposed to like with the, the trilogy. It was just like playthrough again, just so I can romance Tally or something. Um, <laughs> but with this one, it's like I have a reason to actually go through outside of romances and see what the difference is. Actually, I should ask that without getting too deep into it. I heard that the the romance scene's a little more explicit. Is that true? Just yes or no? Really? For some. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, depends. Yeah, I was quite surprised. I actually think um, I don't know. I think this is one of those things where the the fan base and the internet has made matters worse. Where I think um, by being they are like some of them are more explicit. I think especially the ones where it's human, human, they're way mm-hmm. more yeah. or human asari. Um, 
some of the other ones, you know, I think they, they didn't the want to put work races. in. Yeah. They didn't want to yeah. put work in to think too hard about Tyrion physiology. <laughs> <I'm> they, <so laughs> it's like, how does this do they, don't, it's they, like, don't, oh, they, they don't go into detail, but like the, 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 some of the sex scenes are, are uh, rated love scenes, but I, 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 I just think, and that that's one of the places where the facial animation is on point. But at the same time, I'm still like, <laughs> sorry, just think the dead face, like, it's it's like oh, I don't know what to do. Well, that's what I mean. But at the same time, like, I still think it's kind of uncanny and kind of weird. And I think when they were showing a bit more restraint before everybody was like, oh, the game's got pretty good banging. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what they said. That was a great impression of something. Yeah. When they did a more, when they did a more like you know uh, James Bond esque sort of tame love scene where they flashed a bit of bum and that was about it. Some dry it was probably, in my opinion, but I know that there are some people who are desperate for their digital space softcore porn. So fair enough. <laughs> Which would be Sal? Yes. <laughs> But, the, but that's the thing. The Witcher 3, it's still quite... I think uh, even yeah. most of the scenes in The Witcher 3 are fairly... I don't know. Like They sit on that unicorn and they're naked and then it fades out. <laughs> it's a lot of... Like, it's, it's, that, it's that flashing <laughs> of the nudity, like, but yeah, it's like sometimes it's full that's frontal. Very, that's, very, that's very James Bond-esque because it's not yeah. the nudity. Make a 3D model look realistic in that regard. It's the way characters interact. Like yes. One of the things about a lot of most of those scenes in The Witcher, and I'm only using the first one as an example because it's the first one it doesn't spoil anything but like it's it's the characters don't actually have to interact much they have some snappy dialogue they sit in a funny place and then it fades out and the rest is left to your imagination right i don't know but like you know i think if 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 that is your thing you're probably going to love it anyway so which uh, which uh, characters did you go for? All of you. Uh, I was like, who's the best character to romance? Jaw. Jaw <laughs> is the best one, but I I went for Batra, and I will stick with Batra because I love Tyrion's. Yes, <laughs> uh, I went for BB, but I think uh, I thought I was going to hate that character. I'm actually really me like too. Her. I thought I she would her. be. I thought she would be like Sarah, but less annoying. Sarah from Dragon Age Inquisition, <laughs> but she actually yeah. turned out to be really great. I really like her. That's the thing, like I noticed from like a lot of Mass Effect games, like once you get to the romance angle, you start to experience a lot of this dialogue that seems to be some of the most well written of the game, uh, especially like in two and three. I felt like that was a, some really good lines that made you really connect with those characters way more than you would have say like in a, sto- a regular character mission or whatever. Mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. in thinking I was going to romance Vetra, and then I met PB, and then I was like, "Well, this is this is it." And then I met Jal, and then it was over. This so. is it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bed you right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I settled on Vetra months ago, but when I when I met Jal and when he started talking, I was like, "Oh no, this is so hard." So I had this thing where um I would flirt with him every chance that I would get. But then I would reload because I felt so guilty and I didn't <laughs> oh want to not be faithful nice to that. Nice for the romance, if only. <laughs> so I, I like went through the entire even. game like that. <laughs> Going forward, like, what, what would you guys like to see out of the Mass Effect series now that, you know, they kind of set their foot uh, with Andromeda? I mean, who knows if it gets it's getting a sequel or not. But just, like, improvements that you'd like to see. Or if it should not continue would be a question, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think I think I think the, the series has a lot more to mm-hmm. do, a lot of stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the critical reception has been, uh, you know, fairly rough, and I think that will have been fairly hard on them. 
Uh, my understanding is that maybe EA had some expectations for the meta score that were quite a bit higher than what it got. Go but figure. Um, Go figure. But I think it's still, based on the limited metrics I have, I think it's still selling pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll get our first indication tomorrow uh, from when we record this, uh, the day that this goes up. Um, oh, it's because... going up tonight, by the way. Oh, <laughs> so okay. it'll, well, be it'll be on it, Sunday, yeah. But it will, it, will be, it will be tomorrow here by the time that, that happens. Uh, but, but basically in the UK, oh. we get our charts weekly. Sure, so okay, we'll find out. Sense, yeah. so, so we'll find out the opening weekend um, on, 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 on Monday and we'll see. But I think it's still selling, so I think it, I think it will be fine. Um, and I think that might, in a way, be the best case scenario because if they are, you know, decently uh, successful at retail, uh, but have had a bit of a rough, rocky time with reviews, uh, that gives them the mandate to make another game, but also a very clear message about the things that don't work in this game to work yep. on. Well, when you think That's about changed. it, Power Rangers is, is doing extremely well at the box office, so it didn't even matter that it got bad reviews, so maybe Mass Effect would have the same fate. How about you, well, No, I mean, I think, I think movies are, movies can be a different a different sure. thing. But like games, the, the scores matter more in a weird way, and I don't quite know why. It's not like you can make trash over and over again um, like the Transformers movies and have enormous success in China and just not care that the, the films are a, a shit. <laughs> uh, yes, but I think you know there are definitely there's definitely a lot that can be changed. But I think it's that classic thing of, to a degree, I think part of the problem is they had a lot of ground to cover in terms of getting away from the trilogy, laying new ground of where the series can be and what it can be going forward, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now they've done that. Um. I think you know, with a sequel or any or, or a number of sequels, um, they can now grow into 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 the series, and they can you know the plot can go wherever they want it to go, right? Like if they really want, they can. You know, this game is all enclosed in one cluster of Andromeda, which is one of the reasons why whenever people say, "Why are there no other alien races? Why are there only?" Why is there only basically one new indigenous race and then one new invader race and then some, some ancient aliens? So I guess three, two or three, depending on how you count it. Um, it's only set in one cluster. And if you think about the logic of the Mass Effect universe, if there aren't mass relays, if there hadn't been mass relays and you went to any cluster in the Milky Way, you would only have found one race. Hmm. You could have gone to local what cluster. If, and what if you... Human. Sorry, go ahead. So the the point is anyway, like this game is set in one in one cluster of Andromeda. That gives them a lot of room to expand, and they've mm-hmm. got a lot of different ways they can expand. You know, they can whether they do something like, oh, you know, um, we discover a mass relay, and it turns out the Reapers built them here too. Go <laughs> um, figure. Is it, and then you go to different clusters they could do something like that they've got a lot of scope so it's like it's 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 more like they need to take a step back and they definitely need to think about things like i think squad control in the next game is going to be really important for them to get right mm-hmm. uh, i think the level up system mm-hmm. needs a bit of rethought. i think maybe the best thing to do would be for them to go back to a traditional class system have people choose class but make it so when you respec, you can re-choose class, so you can change class mid-game if you want. 
Right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and there are things like that that can be changed. But I think for the most part, they just need to look at the feedback, uh, double down on the ideas that work and tweak, not completely reinvent the ideas that don't. But that's just my opinion. I don't know how you two feel about it. No, I, I largely agree. And like going forward to expand upon that, I do feel like I'm, I feel satisfied with what happened with Ryder and everything. I would like to, I mean, there's a moment in there that I freaked out about to both of you and I won't say, but I mean, I'm sure if anybody's played it at this point and gotten to that, there, there's something that's going to, to happen going forward. That's at least seems very clear. Um, and I do want to see what they do with that. I would like to know what happens to Ryder, but I do like that Dragon Age approach. Um, yeah. Just to kind of see somebody else's tale. Mm. I would actually yeah. like to stick with Ryder. <laughs> I really liked um, switching between Dragon Age and Mass Effect and having something very personal with certain characters in Mass Effect and then having something that focused not on the characters so much as the world that like Dragon Age does. That's Dragon Age's formula. So, um, I mean, I'm okay either way, but I guess if I had a preference, I would like to keep on following Ryder and seeing how these characters develop because I do want to see, you know, it, it's very, uh, very interesting to look at Liara, for example, from Mass Effect 1 and then to see how she changes through Mass Effect 2 and then what she becomes in Mass Effect 3. And I, I really felt that was something very rewarding from the original trilogy. So I would like to keep um, keep following Ryder along for more adventures. It does it does make sense to that it, it's going to be very difficult if Bioware has to keep on pushing the reset button after every game instead of like with the original trilogy that was planned out from the very beginning to be a trilogy. And so if they don't have a sequel that has Ryder in it, even if they're not saying that they're going to make a trilogy, if they decide to change their mind and go ahead with one, that might be far better off than, say, you know, continually making new adventures over and over because it's kind of hard to capitalize on that and keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. So so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing that's important to note yeah. is that they're, they're, they're not saying they're making a trilogy, but they're also right. not saying that mm. um, they're also not saying that, you know, oh, it's... Um, we can write one in. <laughs> They're also not saying that they're not going to use Ryder again. So I think, sure. like, the feeling for me is, at the end of the game, uh, the business of of that crew is not necessarily finished. Um, yeah. There's work to do, and I think I think if they do a sequel, that's what they'll do. They'll continue down that path and have a continuation of the themes of Andromeda. But also, um, the theme can't be exploration and uh, and exploration and founding new planets and new worlds and stuff um it can't be that over and over and over again then the next at a point game, it has to yeah. at a point it has to it has to move um and i think you know um so maybe they do another game with that and then maybe they like so one of the things they might have to do is because of the nature of this game there aren't sick-ass sci-fi planets because no, um, like as in cities and stuff like that. You know, in in Mass Effect Two and Three, um, in particular, Mass Effect One was more about the exploration. You were going to sort of these uncharted worlds, but Two and Three were more about um, you visited a lot of the home planets of the various uh, races and civilized planets, basically, um, and that gave you these moments for you know Star Wars, Coruscant 
style stuff with loads of shuttles in the air and all that sort of stuff. Um, they can't do any of that currently in Andromeda, just because of the nature of what they've set up. So the, the, there are two options, which one of which is that they, they go to places in Andromeda where those things exist, or at a point they time skip forward 10 years, 20 years, and civilizations have been founded, planets exist with big old cities and stuff, and they can do that. Um, and that's one of the questions I'm curious about, actually. But I feel like maybe there's another game with Ryder doing the same sort of thing first. So, mm. we'll see. It's a very curious thing. Obviously, we might not see that for quite a while, especially if there's, you know, those reports we're on about that we'll hear about Bioware's next IP, the people that were uh, sort of the core team of the previous Mass Effect games were working on a new game, uh, and we might hear about that sometime soon. So, But it's good to hear that that game might be doing way better than a lot of people expect it is as far as the sales. So uh, something to yeah. really be excited about. Any final thoughts on Andromeda? Should we see Joker in the next game? <laughs> I mean, like he's, he's, on his, he's on his plane. You, you meet him because he's like he's, he left and he flew away. So you meet him in the next game. Anyway, him and Edie. Yes, Garrus. I want Garrus. Not been a replacement so, for Garrus yet. I miss Garrus. Sounds like they should just make a Mass Effect four. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, they, they, that was well, it's, it's 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 here's here's the thing. Like, if they ever really wanted to transplant anyone. From partic- in particular from the Milky Way universe. Um, you know, the whole thing is it takes 600 years to get there, but obviously if somebody leaves a year after Mass Effect 3, that means they'd arrive in Andromeda two years later than you. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's so my point cool. is they, they still have an option to transplant more, pe- more things in if they wanted to. And indeed, still one, of the major, one of the major hooks of the game that sort of go, you know, winks and nods and goes, hey, hey, sequel, sequel, is they talk a few times. I mean, and it's not really a spoiler because the first time they talk about it is like an hour into the game. Right. But they talk a few times about how there were other arcs with Quarians and, and Drell yeah. and, and the other races that aren't in this game on them, but they left later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the whole thing is in a sequel, you can, that arc can arrive and, um, and you can then see some of the other races they didn't do in this game, because um, I think you know. But that was just that was just a question of time, right? Like they didn't have time to build that many races, especially because this is the first game in the series where every single race you meet has uh, has gendered versions from the from the word go. You know, we didn't get female Turians until Mass Effect Three DLC. I don't think we even right. ever got female Solarians in the original trilogy, right? We never right? got female Solarians. No. Um, now they're just everywhere. They're sort of, yeah, and now they're a, it's everywhere. Um, and because I guess that means they have to think about what, you know, female Drell look like, for instance. Finally. Holy shit. <laughs> um, so, but I imagine... What about the Hanar? <laughs> Can we get the Hanar to come them. back? <laughs> I miss them so well, much. They're, so I they're miss them. Um, they're on one yeah. of those arcs. Yeah. Elcor. Oh. Elcor Poor is the giant, like, creepy Elcor. Oh, is the Volus in it? Oh, please leave Those, <laughs> those are some of the more interesting races that I That's I fun. wish were explored a bit more, the non-humanoid ones, because it was so interesting to see these, like, flying jellies who talk about poetry or the Elcor <laughs> yeah, who talk in a specific way. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised they didn't do more. I was surprised oh. that we didn't have any... Um, any uh, 
any volus because they are they were the first alien race ever designed for Mass Effect, and I thought that would mean they would put at least one of them in. Yeah, just I'm quite too. Um, but yeah, but I'm also I'm happy with the variety you get, um, and I think the um, the Giles race and the Angarans are new and interesting in in some in some cool ways. They've got a cool look to them, but also um, they 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 feel like they they have their own hooks. They have this sort of thing going on where uh, they're sort of in sync with electricity. Electrostatics a big deal for them as a people, mm. um, and that gives them certain powers and stuff like that that makes them interesting for combat as well. So that's cool. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think that laps up a, a lot of Mass Effect Andromeda. Okay, it's good. I, out of this conversation, I have a more positive vibe of it now. So thanks for that. You know, because it's easy for you know the internet to you know. Yeah. It's easy to look at a couple thing. of silly gifs. Yeah. There's, yeah. Some, there's, there's some actual problems with the game. I'll let yeah. that not be like mm. dismissed, but it's clear that uh, you no, know, a lot this, of focus is, is negative. The, but that's the this internet, the, yeah. This is the thing, Zach. I think that seven's a good score. Um, yeah. And the thing about the game is, I think the, disc, the discourse online has become, it's just, it's lost its, it's lost all sense of sanity in the regard that People are acting like it's a terrible, terrible game, and it really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's a no really subtlety on the internet. Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's flawed, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's deeply flawed, but like you know, this is a game I still put sixty hours plus into. It's really good. I'm replaying uh, again, so. And it's, it's something I've noticed a lot over the course of the weekend. I've seen on Twitter a lot, a few people saying, "Man, this game is really good." What are people talking about? Right. Yeah. Nobody, you know, uh, you know, Andrew's review certainly doesn't say it's bad. It just says it's flawed, and it is. But it, there's so much to like in it that it's easy to get past a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and we debated on that score forever, too. Just for yeah, me, yeah, like <laughs> it was down to the embargo where I was just like, I don't know what to do. But I, I stuck with my gut. So. I think, I think, based on your review, the way it was written, it seemed to be like a very strong seven. So that's that makes that makes a lot of sense. Let's go according to our guidelines for that. But once again, yeah, like Alex said, it's like sevens for us. It is. It's it's a very good score, and mm-hmm. I think that you know even nowadays we're trying to be more tougher on on how we cover games, and so it's it's kind of interesting to see a game like that. Um, See, see the sort of the dichotomy of reaction to that game has been kind of fascinating, uh, especially from the people that, you know, are either huge fans of the series or coming to it for the very first time. Uh, you still get that sense that people sort of understand what the, the pros of that game. But, yeah, it's it's hard to, like, look on, say, Twitter and get that same reaction when you're looking at reviewers. I think, I think... It's like 50 people. I think context is important as yeah. well. You know, mm-hmm. Mass Effect happened to launch... Um, in a group right of great Zelda, yeah. Right after Zelda in particular, more so than anything else. You know, Nia's good, and we've had a couple of good games like Horizon and Neo, but most of all, it's Zelda. For anything that's open-world-ish to launch after Zelda is is a tough ask. Um, packed, and packed I think you, that helped yeah. too. And it also launched at a time when, frankly, um, a lot of media who reviewed Mass Effect um, when they sat down to review Mass Effect they'd already also been playing Persona for two weeks at that point mm-hmm. um, I was mm-hmm. one such person so like dividing my time between those two games going back and forth between those two and 
I think that made life harder for Mass Effect as well. Because um, Zelda's an extremely polished game. One of the most polished games I've ever seen, in fact. I can't believe that that game's an open world game because it's mm-hmm. so tight all the time. Um, that made it difficult as well. But hey, they've got lessons to learn. Um, they've got DLC to do. And uh, I think, you know, it's a strong basis on which they can move forward with a sequel now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Cool. It's, it's something that, uh, like we were talking about before you got here, Alex, is that we don't really have too many games of this nature out there, like the giant space opera style of RPG. And so uh, you would want to see Bioware continue on that road. Other than like the Old Republic, no, that's, no one talks about that game, though. Uh, but yeah, that's that's about it for our talks about Mass Effect Andromeda. Of course, we'll revisit this uh, down the line, especially as Alex mentioned when we get DLC. Do they have any story DLC, or is it mostly multiplayer? They haven't announced anything yet. So oh, okay. they they have said that there will be multiplayer DLC, and just like Mass Effect Three, everything will be completely free of charge. Oh, awesome! I didn't. Um, oh, that's right. They didn't have a season pass. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, and they haven't had a season pass, but like the multiplayer stuff will all be free. And then they've talked a bit about their desire to patch a lot of the single players' problems, and <laughs> we'll see how far they get with all that. Um, but also, I imagine it will be the same set as, uh, as the third Mass Effect game, where there'll be a lot of free multiplayer DLC in order to keep that multiplayer churning over, to keep people uh, it, people who want to paying money for the loot packs, which more than subsidizes the cost of making that DLC. And then we'll get some story packs as well, I'm sure. Certainly there is, I think, uh, a big tease for, for, for that seems to be ripe for a story DLC towards the end of the game. So uh, it's, yeah. a, it's an important thing to point out. Like Witcher 3, for example, went through like 100 patches. And one of those patches happened to be like an animation fix for The Walking, which was a huge thing mm-hmm. for that game that it desperately needed. So that yeah, once again that'll that'll about wrap it up. I know uh, Andrea and Natalie, you both have to go. Um, got yes. other engagements yeah. to deal with. So we once again thank you very much for your input about uh, Andromeda. It was a great discussion, and please do come back for any future episodes. We're always glad to have your both of your input on this. Great, thank you guys so much. Thank you. See you later, Andrea and Natalie. Go read their thank stuff you. on the website. Bye. They've written loads of stuff. It's really Bye. good. So yes. go read it. The great stuff, Bye. Alex. I, I didn't know if you were if, were you going to stick around. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay for a bit. I'm okay. Okay. All right. All right. Great. All right. So we'll just kind of continue on with our discussion about mm. uh, the games we're playing. But yeah, Alex, you got kind of spoken over a little bit there. But yes, we do have some great guides on the site. Some very in-depth guides that you guys clearly spent a huge amount of time on. Seem to be getting sort of popular here. So a lot of stuff about like relationships, class building. Ninety um, percent, um, you know. Um, we don't do walkthroughs because no. we don't have the time. <laughs> people, there's other people for that, yeah. Resources, but um, if you have any questions about any particular, basically anything that, 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 that Andrea and Natalie thought that uh, people would go, huh, and have a question about, um, is there on the site? Yeah. From everything from, you know, if there's a particularly hard in-game choice and you, you want to cheat a bit and find out what, what that's going to do down the line, um, or if you're just unsure of what weapons are good or whatever, they've done some amazing work. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we all we're always taking feedback for people like content guy, people would like to see on certain games. Like any questions you have, so you can either comment on the articles themselves. If you have questions about that stuff, we get that all the time. We've also if we got like dozens of comments in just one particular article about the relationships 
but you can also ask us on any of our social media accounts. We're more than happy to help anywhere we can. Um, so yeah, let's let's move on to uh, the rest of the crew here about the games that we've been playing. So Josh, I know you've been playing some of this uh, the new yeah, fairly default just, Fairies Effect game. Mm-hmm, yeah, just just uh, very quickly, it's a it's a mobile game that's you know bravely default skinned. Um, it's it, it's a weird thing because it's like a light MMO kind of deal where you kind of you have these uh, over over uh, head maps, these field maps to like people phase in and out of. And you can they can just like pop into your battles just freely, uh, but you can all disable that. Uh, it's the the battles themselves are not like the ones you saw on like the previous. I, I haven't played Bravely Second, only Bravely Default, but it's it's kind of like an ATB system where you see this bar fill up and then you'll do an, like an auto attack action uh, when that fills up. Um, you have this uh, Brave Gauge uh, where you can execute uh, special attacks that you're not exactly like. Uh, queuing up turns like in a bravely default where you can just like store it up and then go on an all-out attack type of deal it's a lot more bland unfortunately um but hmm. it's it's a weirdly like kind of cute game for what it is because it's a, it's kind of taking a different uh like kind of perspective on how you can approach these kinds of games i this is like my first time i've actually done with these light mmo games i think there's like a there's several instances where it's been done before i think like um, monster hunter one maybe has done it i think god eater has won like that uh the god Eater yeah, online I, I, game yeah I, yeah i think that that did that too i didn't like that when i when i tried no, it that wasn't out good <laughs> you know yeah the, yeah it's it's the it's the weird it's like uh, touching controls yeah, yeah. Um, this one has weird like tech issues where it likes to crash if like if I let my phone go to sleep on it, so it's just kind of like inevitable. Like when I fire it up, it's either gonna crash immediately or like a few seconds in. Um, the the neat oh, thing yeah. about it is uh, like Mike and Bravely Default games, you can choose your uh, change your class whenever. You only have to worry about one uh, your own character you don't have to worry about anything else because your party members is either this ai person where you can choose either it's like a melee fighter or offensive or healer type depending on what class you spec into to mesh well better with that along uh and then your other party members there's other players who pop in with you so you can choose between like a basic knight hunter thief white and black mage kind of deal so i'm a black mage right now so i'm like uh, on the back row and each of the battles there's like rows like a front, middle, and back row. Obviously, if you're in the back row, you'll do less damage, but you you'll be less tar- uh, likely to be targeted, and you'll take less damage. Um, but it's also important because there are some AOE skills, like healing skills, where it'll like highlight the the lane that it's in, like in blue, and then you have to be in that lane to actually get that effect. Same uh, same maybe like uh, if there's like an enemy AOE coming at you your lane will be highlighted in red so you have to like move up and down depending on like the row Mega Man battle network or something like that kind of, <laughs> kind of a little yeah uh, oddly enough but uh, and then you're rolling for basically the, your armor your equipment uh type of deal I, I don't i don't know how long i'll stick with it much like star ocean but I, I, it's one of those things like i like to check in once in a while see uh what their interpretation of this you know, RPG uh, series is on like a mobile device because this, this is made by Silicon Studio. Much of the same talent is in it. I, I just think I, I'd like it more if it didn't like crash as much because it's <laughs> uh, like I'm having a good time with it. And then all of a sudden, like it just freezes up. And I'm like, well, I have to go reboot this thing. Uh, so it's there, there's a lot more of this like uh, like kind of big name releases coming out uh, for the mobile market uh, over in Japan that I'd like to check out. Especially with like side games and platinum games, 
coming up with Lost Order, which is Matsuno's next thing. And that's being, uh, of course, developed by Platinum Games. So seeing how Platinum Games will handle the mobile market. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what that gameplay will look like, along with uh, Yokotaro uh, with Sinnoh Alice uh, getting released and seeing what that creative talent looks like on that. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see what uh, you're starting to definitely see a a, a progression and trying trying to refine like you know just RPG uh, the RPG genre on mobile and seeing how these other franchises how that those translate their systems their defining characteristics how they translate into a smartphone game so that's kind of been like you know only thing i've been really messing with along with you know just a little bit of berseria here and there and some more srw and whatnot and i think zelda's finally started to click with me alex um i was kind of iffy on it until i finally got a good amount of time sitting down with that game and i i've started to really really enjoy uh link being able to climb a lot uh higher places because i've been really uh working on expanding my stamina on that so i almost have a full circle of stamina but just being able to traverse that more freely has been really liberating like i just got through this like labyrinth in the game but i didn't actually solve the labyrinth for the shrine i just like hopped on over its uh its walls and just kind of jumped over the walls into the middle of that labyrinth for example and that's it's a really <laughs> that's, a, yeah, but that, that's, a, that, that's one of the things about that game is there's a great interview with one of the developers where somebody asks about that sort of stuff and he's like yeah we don't care like yeah. if, if that's a solution you find then exactly. that's a solution you find that, that it's it's the funny thing because i i went i dropped down to the middle of that and then it's like oh there's a shrine quest here i like walk like maybe 20 30 yards away from that and then i go to the shrine it's like oh you've proven your worth just by coming here i'm like yep that's me i totally solved this labyrinth yeah but, but you did in a sense because you yeah. outfought the labyrinth Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's been it's yeah. been a great time. Mm-hmm. So Zelda, I can I continually look forward to seeing what else you can do that game because you just you you get into really really dumb situations, but you uh, find really creative solutions out of that. Just kind of getting out of spots. So good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's I can't even begin to you know that game is. Um, it's, I was it's so much special. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was happy that I finally got enough uh, rupees to get like that full stealth armor set that you get at the, the, the whatever village. So yeah, Kakariko, yeah. So that's in my uh, brief experience of that. Actually, yeah. yeah so really s- since you're talking, Alex, what if what if mm-hmm. I know you've you just said that you've been playing a lot of Persona Five. I know that obviously that game is coming up here pretty soon. Is there any anything else that you've been playing besides that though? <laughs> Uh, the um, the record keeper second anniversary. <laughs> the second, I've been, I actually got right back into it actually too because uh, of that. Uh, so that's that's actually pretty good. They've been giving away a lot of free stuff. Did you get anything and good? And some really good weapons stuff coming out. So I've had a couple of good draws. So I'm happy with that. Uh, I've been continuing to play Zelda on and off. Um. But honestly, no, it has sort of been, my life has been uh, Mass Effect stuff and uh, bits and bobs of Persona. Um, Makes sense. And this week I am going to sit down and look at the Final Fantasy XV DLC, which is out on Tuesday. That's right. Um, So I'll look at that. But um, yeah, it has been... Persona is a big game. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. 
Yeah, just like the yeah. just like four. Uh, actually, I actually completed my Japanese playthrough of that. That was like ninety-eight hours. Okay, you finished now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's well. Uh, yeah, it's I, massive. I'm, I'm probably about halfway, I guess. But um, we uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. We can't. We can't really until Wednesday. We can't exactly. really. We're allowed. I'm allowed to say that I'm dying it. Um. That's about, it. about certain bits of the game, but like at, at this point, it might, might as well wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yep. Expect a lot of stuff surrounding that. We've already got plenty of content on the site as it is. Like we've got those videos and uh, the preview that um, Josh did a little over a month ago. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, the people listening to this, we've already got some stuff. But yeah, so far, um, just expect to have a review. We'll have a review up on the site, uh, which, you know, by Alex's standards, will surely be a sizable one. So we'll... it's not me. Well, it's not. It's not me. It's Josh doing it. Oh, but, I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, yeah, think, uh, Josh is seeing no, Josh also gonna... does some of the long reviews. So we'll. But I'm later. just playing it for uh, for the sake of playing it. But I am going to contribute to that review. I think we're going to double team it a little bit. But most of it will be Josh, I imagine. It's just. Uh, but I will. I will chip in a bit here and there, I guess, because mm. I've been playing it. Yeah, but we have yeah. some very high, quali- well qualified people working on it. So. Do not worry, listeners. We'll have we'll have some good stuff for you. There'll be a lot of Persona Five on the site. There'll be a lot. I think this week, uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast when it's brand new this week, uh, you'll have uh, Dark Souls DLC, Final Fantasy Fifteen DLC, uh, Persona Five review, and um, a lot more Mass Effect. If such a thing <laughs> is even possible, but uh, too many RPGs. It's it never it's stops. Good. It's good for us, though. <laughs> I mean, it'll start to slow down in a couple of weeks, but it'll pick right back up at the end of April. So it's not much, not much of a lull for us, which is great for us, really. It's it's been fantastic for a set like ours to have this much content to work with, because there has definitely been some dead spots uh, in the recent past. So it's always nice to see. Um, but moving on, uh, speaking of Square Enix deals, Adam, you've been playing some Kingdom Hearts, the remaster. Okay. Yeah, so I'm still just trying to catch up on some slightly older games. Just you didn't to want to wait for the, the PS4 release? <laughs> well, no. Well, first of all, before that, let me just say, I, 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 I know you guys talked about this last week when I wasn't here. You were talking about Berseria and Zisteria a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I finished my playthrough of, of Tales of Zisteria, and boy, that game is just stupid. It's one of the stupidest games I've ever played. Just like mechanically, the story, the characters, how it strings things together. It's just, it's it's probably I've played most of the English Tales games, like all of them except Destiny and Berseria, and it's it's easily my my least favorite. I think it's so I, I couldn't stupid. stand that game. There, there's a reason. Like I I tried that game. And I was like I I can't do this. So, um. So I, I know you guys talked about this last week, so I won't dwell on it. But yeah. man, that's like, like I thought, like I know this, the Tales of Zillia games like weren't like fantastically received, but I thought they were just kind of like average yeah, okay, yeah. JRPGs. Like they they were competent. Yeah. Tales of Zestiria is like not competent. Oh. It's it's bad. <laughs> it, and anyways, so I it, it was one of the weird, it was one of the weird things where they tried to overhaul the mechanics of like what traditional Tales games yet totally went in a weird, different, yeah. bad direction. On and like almost. I, all I know fronts. Brian was talking about this last week too, but like the way, like first of all, the 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 armor and equipment way that works like is nonsense and bloated, and it's just 
like I don't even know what they were trying to do um, with that. Like it's kind of like MMO-ish, but not really. Like I don't even know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. But like even like the like the story stuff, it's almost hard to follow the story because it feels oh, like yeah. it's some. It almost felt like to me some like poor clip notes version of some actual story yes. that I'm not actually getting a chance to see. Like there's these scenes that you see and they don't really like link to. Each, they don't really like. They, they have weird omissions. Like you feel like you, you there, there was like there was like three scenes and like they just gutted out the the middle one. For Relatively a, early in the game, your your party goes to a village to like solve like a a little like a bit of an epidemic with a disease, and then like as soon as that like that little like side like plot is over like all of a sudden there's a war and then like five minutes later you're like in the middle of a battlefield in the middle of this like war between these two countries which you don't even really know yet and like what is what the heck is going on mm-hmm. it, it's like that's it's that type of thing that like the story is a little bit hard to follow it just like things just happen and it doesn't really like build up to it, it doesn't make sense it's just blah uh Anyway. It's kind of like they just they just slapped on like the, it was like the, yeah. the story was developed like in a very linear fashion. It's like oh okay, it's only gonna uh, like stop there. We'll slap this on right here yeah. <laughs> just to keep it going. So, yeah. anyways, um, I've been playing the Kingdom Hearts Remaster 2.8. These great titles that these oh, games yeah, have. Oh yeah, the final um, chapter. Uh, <laughs> so, Dream Drop Distance is a mess of a game. It's I wasn't fond of the 3DS version, and it I. My my feelings haven't really changed. It's just kind of like if you thought Kingdom Hearts plots got like crazy and convoluted with Kingdom Hearts two, Dream Drop Distance takes that to like the next exponent, where it just time travel and like the characters you already defeated are back somehow. And what? Just, I was gonna I was gonna ask for a premise, but I feel like I shouldn't ask for the premise because it's yeah, really... it's I mean the premise basically is that the Bane bad guy like travels through time and grab grabs like versions of himself because he's got like eight different versions of himself from different points in time and they're your bad guys now and it's just dumb what okay but also but also just like the way the 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 way that the um the disney worlds even work too like i know all the kingdom hearts games kind of have this issue maybe except maybe the first one where like it's like this really truncated watered down version of the of the disney stories and it just feels so awkward at times. Like you go to like the Hunchback of Notre Dame world, and then like the way that like the story plays out, like just like a couple of key moments from the movie in the game, and it just it just feels kind of awkward the way that they, that that these Disney things go together. And not yeah. and not only that, but it has that that those Disney plots have nothing to do with the overall plot at all anymore. So it kind of feels like almost feels like it's pointless, but. And mechanically, the dream eaters are just kind of boring, and it's the command deck isn't as good as it was in Birth by Sleep, and it's just blah. So, yeah, did that you, game is no, I'm not too fond of it. <laughs> did you touch anything else on 2.8? Yeah, I've been playing. I played the demo, the 0.2 um, oh, okay, demo, okay, yeah. and I mean, I think it's okay for a demo. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's, I mean, you get to see like the art style, how it translates to Unreal Engine 4, um, and it's. It plays well. It's smooth. It doesn't have stupid dream eaters or anything like that. It's um, a great demo, but it's not worth the, the yeah, price. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> what, this game was sixty bucks, right? It's not worth sixty bucks. Yeah, it's, it's forty bucks now, which is more yeah. in line with what you'd want from that game. Um, I did laugh. There's this part in the demo where they where Mickey tries to explain again what exactly Kingdom Hearts is. No, I like audibly man. laugh, like because no they way. can never they can never decide what it actually is. Um, and they have like three different versions of it. And it's just th- that normal Kingdom Hearts story stuff that 
doesn't make sense to anyone. I, 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 I think. I, this is why I can't kind of I can't wait for Kingdom Hearts three because they they're gonna try to wrap it all up and it's gonna be like oh good yeah. fucking luck I'm, with with this out and with the with the re remasters coming out like in days actually mm-hmm. like how much longer can Square Enix kind of like uh, stall for time for Kingdom Hearts three? Who knows, man? I, that, I, that was announced like almost four years ago now, and we still well, haven't seen anything. Well, it wasn't point. There's a giggle when it's not announced, uh, when it's not E3 or whatever. I'm not saying I know that it won't be. I'm just I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't at E3. If it wasn't at E3, if it, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Kingdom Hearts Free was absent. You got that yeah. and the remake, of course, coming up for Final Fantasy VII. So I think, yeah. I think, I think, remake, I think remake will be there. I think yeah, that's on a much more, um... especially like because that one's going to be split up into like episodes. So they, they just might announced have... stuff about it recently too. Yeah, uh, as opposed to Kingdom Hearts Three, where we still haven't really heard anything since. I mean, like, like Kingdom Hearts Disney... Three, we got like one screenshot like a couple of like a month ago, and then I think the last like significant significant thing we got from Kingdom Hearts Three was like they announced like Big Hero Six World back at the end of 2015. Like that was a while ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's been kind of the case. I mean, they're talking about the other worlds, but that's been about it. It's just been a lot of been here. Oh, oh yeah, so. they're far enough. So yeah, I just wanted to. They I, are far I, enough along where I think the worlds for that game are long, a long, long locked in. Yes, yeah, they um, have to be right. Um, Good hope. But I can't talk about that. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll find we'll find about that soon. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of exciting stuff so you've been it's been mostly kingdom hearts for you though adam yeah um that just playing a couple of poorly i'm not playing a couple of games i'm not super fond of i guess that's <laughs> how masochistic of you that, 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 that's <laughs> good because you'll appreciate all the good games and you get around to them this year that's 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 my logic yeah yeah, yeah okay see what we'll go with it uh well for me um it was a lot of well. I wrapped up my took it into review, so that's up on the site. But uh, my thoughts are on there. Other than that, uh, kind of a surprise. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, Koei Tecmo put out a new patch for Neo uh, 1.06 that adds a bunch of new submissions and some new features to the game. Um, was not expecting that as a free update. Thought it was more like a season pass thing. So uh, they added pause to the game. So you can now pause it whenever oh, you want. Oh, man. Thank God. <laughs> so for those of you out there who've got, like, family members or a dog that won't leave you alone, that's perfect. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty a pretty crucial that thing. That's so weird. It's like, finally, the thing that people were asking for most, a pause. I know. Uh, it's yeah. it's it, it's, mm. uh, it's a game that's like anti-Dark Souls in a sense, so it's even getting further away from, Sto- from the Souls games in that sense. But, yeah, the, a lot of the submissions are pretty damn challenging uh there are a lot of them are level 145 and up so oh, actually shit. all of them are so um it but it does some of them aren't uh only a couple of them are not boss rushes a lot of them are like okay we're gonna take two bosses that you fought in the game late game bosses and put them together and you have to fight them both i have oh, one that okay. was like four bosses <laughs> that i had to fight either like uh two at a time and uh, there were, even before I got to them, there were a lot of like m- difficult minions out of fight, fight as well. Uh, there were a couple missions that were just mostly those. Um, I forget what they're called, but they're the Tengu, I think. Uh, they're like the giant birds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so stuff. I had to fight those as well. Mm-hmm. But that oh, game continues to be those. as challenging as ever. Um, besides that, they also added things like I think they added um, new smithing text, so like more weapons that you can create. Uh, and just kind of stuff like that. It's pretty surprising. I did buy the season pass though because 
uh, Sony had their flash sale, and it was actually a 24 hour sale on everything Neo. So they had the standard, the digital deluxe, and the season pass on sale, uh, pretty cheap. And then they also sent out a 20% off coupon. So I got the season pass for like 11 bucks. I was like, hey, why not? A lot of fun with this game. So I'm for sure. Well. And especially because yeah. Masamuni Date is going to be in the DLC next month. So I was like, yes. Gotta. <laughs> I also love that guy. <laughs> So I would love to be able to play more of it. Um, other than that, though, I because I, that was mostly just, once again, you know, just submissions. I'm c- contemplating what to play next because I won't be picking up Persona 5 on, on release um, as much as I was interested in it. Um, I'll just wait for a sale. I was thinking either mm-hmm. Yakuza 0 or the new MLB game because apparently uh, there's a I want to of... play Yakuza 0 so bad it is it's right it's staring me right in the face like, too. I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about like starting it up like a few times like man I should really fire it's just too busy game. but like yes. mm-hmm. it's somebody at Sega sent me a download code and uh, it's, I've just had it sitting on my console desktop <laughs> you're just for... staring at it every time you, you I think the, the sad thing is if it was on PC I probably would have played it at this point sure multitasking it's far easier for me to just boot PC games you know, in between work and stuff like that, because I'm already sitting at the PC. Well, that's that's, so- that's exactly why I got a, a main job because now I can like ha- like section off the window of my console into its own window, so I have, have like like my other monitor. I can uh, keep uh, tabs on along with other shit, and thus my other monitor is just the game itself, so I can do a lot of more multitasking while playing on it. I, it actually really helped me out a lot. Yeah. That's that's been kind of my experience. Like it's been staring at me in the face. It's been sitting on this table, like right at eye level, and I'm like, oh, I should really, should really get around to playing it. Um, the other game was maybe like picking up an old game because the SNES Superstars Marathon was on, and I got in my head that like I should really play Tactics Ogre sometime because oh, it's good. Tactics huge... Ogre is my favorite PSP game. I love it so much. That's the thing. I like, like it more I than Palm Heavy Tactics. I mean, Final Fantasy Tactics is still great, but Tactics Ogre, the way the world system works and the way you can see, like, it's so good. these different paths of the story and, like, the way characters can be, like, t- totally different. Like, I, I forget, damn, I forget his name. He's, uh, Denim's friend starts with a V, I think. Um, like, he can be, like, so different on different paths, and it's just so interesting to see those types of things. I, just, I love Tactics Ogre. Yeah, and I heard, like, obviously, like, there's points where you can recruit an an enemy soldier and if you mess that up or an officer i should say if you mess that up you might not be able to recruit them ever again so it's that kind of um uh dynamic storytelling is what's got me interested in that and also just because such a like final fantasy tactics my favorite final fantasy game so i should really get a chance to but and it kind of goes without saying the writing is great too yeah um, localization and everything it just I know some people criticize it for being like too Shakespearean, but I I disagree with that oh, so much. Oh, forget that! I like the political yeah. intrigue. That's the best part. And I don't think it's even that Shakespearean at all. It's just, it's just I love the I love the diction that uh, they use. I don't think I don't think Tactics Ogre was Alexander O. Smith, but it's kind of got that same style. I remember like War of the Lions. They actually think, went ooh, more into was it. Was it? I don't I don't know. It might have been. I don't know, but the original definitely wasn't. But I think the PSP remake might have been. Oh, maybe. Anyway, I feel like great. the same no, crew did that and War of the Lions. Yeah, that makes sense. When, that when, that when makes War of the Lions yeah, would be yeah. on a PC already. Jesus, that's such a pain. Uh, you might just. The thing is, though, it's sprite art anyway. So just if you bang it in um, PPSSPP. Yes. Fix the glitchiness. Oh, well, there's already yeah, a fan patch right. for that anyway. So. Right. Pretty good. <laughs> That's that's that was that was my feeling. Like if eventually I'm just going to have to do that. It, it would just be pretty cool to see tactics get that recognition recognition again because it's been dead for so long. It's almost as long as like 
the Chrono series at this point, it feels like, because all you've got is like the Tactics Advance, and I don't even quite qualify and, them at the same. And Tactics Advance hasn't even had a new entry since the DS. Yeah. So. Or no, it was Grimoire of the Rift. Yeah, that was DS, not that was DS. DS. Yeah, yeah, DS. Believe it or not, the DS. last Tactics Advance release, technically in that universe, was an Xbox Live Arcade game. Oh, don't remind right? me of that weird oh, like they, the tower, they, they, tower they put out a tower game. defense game in that <laughs> universe. I forgot. It, was, it wasn't terrible to be fair. It was it just a standard issue tower defense game. That's that's exactly what I mean. Like it definitely wasn't bad, but it's certainly not what I would consider to be in that same fold. It's it's kind of difficult to consider. It's not my tactics, man. It's not my tactics. So that's <laughs> that's that's pretty much it for what I've been playing, though. So let's go ahead and get right into news because we've got plenty to talk about here. Um, first off, we actually I think we sort of addressed this at uh, the last podcast, so we'll briefly talk about this. That I don't think new, so uh, because it got it was it was, it was at the very end. It was the very yeah. end of news. I do remember. Oh yeah, that it was because rumored, it was yeah. breaking news. Uh, yeah. yeah the, so. Uh, well, Josh, you seem to know this. Uh, why don't you take it from here? They announced the new yeah, Digimon yeah. story. Yeah, the remember last year's uh, Digimon story, Cyber Sleuth. That's getting a sequel called Cyber Sleuth Hacker's Memory for the PS4 and Vita. It's set in the same world, but has a new story. It's so, actually like it, I guess they're not not calling it a sequel. They're calling it like an other they, an alternate story. Yeah, like it's, it's like the story. Yeah, the story's like recurring, uh, like in parallel to the original Cyber Sleuth story. So it's kind of like the other side of it. They're saying, so it, it doesn't actually pick up after the event. It's like concurring with it. Uh, main character's name is Keisuke Amazawa, and his whole deal is that he's been labeled as a criminal for a crime he didn't commit. Oh, so, original. <laughs> yeah, I know. So this, uh, like you know. A lot of fans of the Cyber Sleuth don't have to worry because a lot of the systems are identical to that game, but it has a lot more Digimon in it. Like it's, they're saying they're touting over 320, which is roughly half 73 more. Like 70 more. Yeah. I was gonna say like yeah. that's like half of the total Digimon out there. Actually, maybe like a third of them. So that's that's still pretty good though. <laughs> yeah. That, that, so there's uh, a lot more Digimon in this, uh, and then the Japanese release it'll have the whole original game, uh, the PS4 version of Cyber Sleuth in it because it, the PS4 version was never released in Japan. I thought it, I thought it came out just. Later, mm-hmm. I thought. Nope. Oh, no, wait, that was maybe that was next order or something. Like next that order had a release. Order. I thought. Yeah. I thought Cyber Sleuth did too, but no, no. maybe it never did. They, they mm-hmm. never did because yeah, I remember like there was new box art for the next order release, but not for Cyber Sleuth. They didn't get it. Yeah, so but for us Western fans, uh, you don't have to like uh, hold your breath on whether we're going to get an English version or not. Because like a day later, they immediately announced that's going to be uh, announced for localization in West uh, in early 2018. It's funny, so, actually, you mentioned they, that they because... announced that localization really early. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Uh, Adam, I, I shared this with you too, though. But like the Bandai Namco Europe page, which the guy who runs it, we know of, but he um, <laughs> he said uh, some person asked, like, "Are you sure this time that's going to be localized for the Vita?" Because there was that huge ass last time, oh yeah, that last time awful. where they like kept mm-hmm. going back and forth in new press releases. Like, no, this is the final, final, final confirmation, and they tagged us in it. I guess it's because we made fun of it too. So <laughs> it was it was glad mm-hmm. to see that both. PS4 and Vita owners, and that actually just from that alone, it means there's still going to be Vita games in 2018. So I guess yep. this something the Vita keeps on trucking. <laughs> yeah, as even if it's like kind of dragging it, its corpse on the ground, it's still going to be um, relevant in 2018, which is great to see. Yeah, I mean that's cool. I need to get around to Cyber Sleuth. I've been hearing a lot of good things about it, but I just never had. I, I heard time. like I'm not a Digimon fan at all, and to be honest, I don't know if I'll ever play these games or get oh, around that's to so them. Good though, but I heard that these games are well made media vision does a good job but i hear i heard they're kind of like a, an smt light in the way that you're like creating monsters and fusing them and the way the battle yeah. system works that it's kind of feels like 
an SMT game just with a totally different aesthetic and style. Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. And I'm I'm pretty sure Sabbath Sleuth you can it's like its normal price is now twenty bucks on PS4. So yeah, and I, I know it's been on sale on PSN several times too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that 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 should be a pretty simple buy if you're interested in that game. But um, we do have a. Did we ever? Did we ever do a review for Cyber Sleuth? I'm not. Yeah, sure. we did. A, Darren did a video review. That's right. Okay. Yeah. We never got around to reviewing Next Order, which is kind of like a different subseries. It's Digimon um, Worlds. Path. Yeah, Digimon uh, World yeah. versus Digimon Story. Digimon World. If you want to talk about great ass games, Digimon World. Uh, that was a great series that I'm glad they they went back to. So with the rest of the news, though, we've also got the announcement after a sort of tease by the team. Second Desetsu Collection was announced for the Nintendo Switch in Japan. Now that'll include all three. Uh, <laughs> let's not talk about Donamata. Second Desetsu One, Two, and Three. I guess mm-hmm. I should say in this case it'd be like all the games released for the Nintendo. Um, that they were all announced. Second Desetsu Two is Secret of Mana, and Three is the one that we never got, sadly. But both uh, Secret of Mana and one. Second Desetsu Three, yeah, especially like yeah, fan easily the best one. Like, it's not even a contest. Really. I, I've heard <laughs> these things. I never got around to beat that game. But so uh, Secret of Mana Two, excuse me, Secret of Mana and Second Desetsu Three will both feature local multiplayer with up to three players. So. Just like, like the original releases. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it'll also feature quick save. Well, you save anywhere, so save state. Uh, and then also a music mode that allow you to listen to the game music from the home screen of the Nintendo Switch, which is uh, pretty darn sweet. I think that's, that's a pretty cool feature to have. The only downside that I've noticed is that this collection... It's fifty bucks, which is yeah. a lot when the games that you can is. get are like for like five or ten bucks on the on the virtual console. So that's so. Here's what I want to say about that: is that uh, Eurogamer has a great story on this talking oh, about. I didn't know that. Um, I'll have to read it. Talking about like I forget which game it was. Which game was it that was grossly mocked? Uh, I can't remember for the life of me. But basically, um, the Switch game prices. Um, it's not uh, it's not entirely down to the people who are making the games. Mm. Let's, let's let's put it that way. And really? There's some stuff going on with Nintendo, uh, but Eurogamer has a great story. Um, it was about Rhyme, which is uh, oh like, the Sony like, like, the original like, Sony joint, yeah. which is like ten to fifteen dollars more expensive on the Switch than any of the other platforms it's on. Wow. Um, and yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris, same deal. Um, with the difference, I mean, obviously, Switch is the only place it's physical, but even then, digital to digital, it's going to be cheaper on PS4 than the Switch. Um, is this the is this the Nintendo tax that they always? Or talk if about? you're wondering why, for instance, Capcom is charging like forty bucks or fifty for Street Fighter Two, forty bucks yeah. for Street Fighter Two. Uh, I understand that it's the same situation. So, oh my yeah. gosh, why do they get away with that? Uh, there, there, are, there, there's some weird stuff going on there. Cartridges are expensive. Is one thing to note. That's 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 um, a good point. At the same time, Nintendo has been notorious for not really lowering their prices too much, but that's mostly been like first party, not so much third party. So hopefully, that'll be more in line. But I guess we'll have to find out. It's still pretty well, I mean, cool. Like, I mean, the second Densetsu collection is really three, you know, twenty plus year old games. And it's basically like a ROM dump, probably, um, and it's it fifty bucks. It doesn't quite look like that. Honestly. I mean, there's yeah, a couple I mean, of you, you, com- you compare it to, say, um, Capcom. Obviously, just announced uh, not for the Switch that uh, uh, the Disney Afternoon, Afternoon Collection. collection? <laughs> yeah, and awesome. that is what five games, and that's thirty bucks. 
And that's I heard that's actually kind of like with the Mega Man stuff that they actually have to put a lot of work into it. They're not wrong. Well, I mean, it depends on your definition of a lot of work. Not to diminish the work that they've done, because obviously I'm sure people worked enormously hard on that. But you know, the whole thing is, it's it's they've developed a custom emulator that has some custom features like rewinding and stuff like that. Yeah. And the thing is, you might notice the afternoon collection is made by the same people who made Mega Man collection yeah and so what i think has happened is they've gone we've got this tech now what else can we use yeah and i want them to continue to do oh, that like the mickey games that would be great <laughs> you know they said here's our classic disney games for the nes we can literally plug these into this emulator and give them the same features do it oh, man what if they do lion uh-huh. king and aladdin that'd be so good well those see that that's where it gets more complicated because yeah, those are obviously licensing. um no because this is licensing it's more the fact that those are uh 16-bit games Oh, okay, so it's not as and easy to... I think this engine they built is specifically for NES games because it was built for Mega Man 1, 2, 3, hmm. 4, 5, and 6. Were those the NES yeah. games? Yeah. Yes. They would charge more, if anything, but yeah, it would probably be like individually But what I mean is they would have to rebuild some of the tech. They would have to yeah. start over with some of the tech, uh, which obviously is a bigger proposition. And Aladdin, there's another, there's another wrinkle there where it's like, you know, which one, which, which Aladdin version is the one. Didn't they release those recently on PC? Well, yeah, GOG, GOG picked them up. Um, yeah, like but the, Lion King and Aladdin. The, the I, don't think they, I don't know if they ever went on Steam, game. but they're on... The GOG one, the GOG one yeah. is the Mega Drive one. It's a port yeah. of the Mega Drive one. But, there is, but depending on what system you had growing up, you will remember two very different games. I right. think Aladdin SNES is, is a shit joke. But there are many people who. I, th- I thought should. most people. I thought most people agreed that the Genesis Mega Drive version of Aladdin is better. Well, a lot of people only had SNES and played yeah. that, and they, it's basically whatever you played first is probably the one that you're gonna prefer. Yeah. <laughs> even though, yeah, I do. I totally do agree that SNES one is. Oof, even though that was, that was the one I played first, that still very very rough, and I. Mm, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. If anything, it's it's just that I hope that this will lead to a new Mana game because. The concert that they held, the 25th anniversary concert, was held in Japan, but they didn't announce anything there. So this yeah, seems to be it, sort of the thing for now. Unfortunately, the Mana series, like I, I went through them relatively recently. After three, there's really nothing that's remarkable. Yeah, there's a big drop after off. three because it's. I mean, the one after three is Donna Mana, unless you're talking well, about. Like, I mean, Sword there's Donna Mana, and like then there's a couple of spinoffs like yeah, Children of Mana. We don't I think Children of Mana had like a fantastic user interface. The way it played was great. It's like an RTS. The actual. Kind of thing. It was weird. No, not the RTS. Yeah, that's Heroes of Mana. Oh, sorry, I mixed them together. Uh, yeah. Children of Mana is like this, this like top-down, just oh, action RPG. Yeah, yeah. And I think it plays oh, yeah. really well. It's just the act, just the design of the game is kind of linear and boring and bland. Um, it's, it's anyway, but I mean, the general thing is that none of the games after Second and Setsu Three are really better than decent. They're just uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of, I think it's that. And Donna is a piece of garbage. Yeah. The Jesus. only other, I mean, the only game that I can think of that is like so. Like last year, I think it was at TGS, the makers of Mother Three and Legend of Mana were making this game, the smartphone game called Eglia. Uh, I think it's like, so it's like it's got the artists like there, so they're busy with that game. I hope they all kind of come back together because I would love Le- to see that. I, I want to retract my state- statement. Legend of Mana is actually pretty good. Legend of Mana is yeah. Oh yeah. I think the didn't... direct. I think the direct combat gameplay of Legend of Mana is kind of boring and bad, but the way that game is structured and styled, 
both narratively and just how you how you progress through the game is really unique and yes. there's really nothing else like it. You're using artifacts to place your pieces in that actually advances it's kind of like the story. Three, it's kind of like these three concurrent separate stories that you go through and you can kind of go through them and kind of these in whatever order you choose and it's it's the way that it's structured is really pretty interesting. Great soundtracks uh, just, too. I should go yeah, back oh, and yeah. play Donna Mama. One of, one of Shimamura's yeah. earlier soundtracks in this yeah. state. I really should go back and play some. I want to play Donamon again because I, I obviously I heard it was crap, but like I only played like a few hours of it. So yeah. I want to play Donamon. I said no one ever. Oh, I still want to do that. Okay, so moving into <laughs> moving into more news about it. So uh, more news about uh, remasters. That seemed to be what Atlas had a lot to deal with uh, recently yeah. in their, their stream. So they announced a bunch of remasters. Josh, they had, they have their their Spring 2017 live stream event. What did they talk yeah. about? Yeah, so uh, earlier before that, they uh, through Japanese magazines they uh, showed off Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology for the 3DS. Yes. Yeah, it's one so of my favorite good. favorite RPGs on that system on DS. So it's labeled as a remake. It's more like an enhanced port. It has a, a new third timeline scenario. So if you remember Radiant Historia, it worked off of the, going back and forth in between timelines at different points in time. It's very time travel based. So they have this new third timeline called the sub-history. Uh, there was like the, the main history, the alternate history, and now the sub-history. And they have a new character named Nemesia. And uh, okay. a lot of this, yeah, a lot of this is, uh, you know, just enhancing everything from that game, from new artwork for the characters, which is, you know, very divisive because a lot of the original art style for that game had a lot of like very old school charm to it and whatnot. But Whenever you new... change an art style, I think you're going to get yeah. a little bit of divisive... Uh, yeah, this new art, uh, this new artwork is done by Masaki Hiroka, uh, who's the Dan Suikiden, Tier Christ, Christ, or and uh, Castlevania, Castlevania Order of Ecclesia. That's actually and... surprising to me because, like, I played the Suikiden game anyways, mm-hmm. and when I saw that artwork, like, I, I don't it, like it's hard to like it almost doesn't seem like it's the same artist to me. But... Exactly, like he, he's he's very versatile from what, yeah. I, what I remember. So it's, it seems to like uh, play off of like because uh, he's usually usually very good at like harsher tones. This a more like kind of uh, more anime-ish, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, yeah, because the original Iridian story was pretty mature-looking, so that's yeah, a big difference. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely approaches. going for that climate in Japan. But, you know, the original ones can still be used, but that's only limited to the like the perfect edition box in Japan, so the more expensive version, if you want to use the original portraits, is kind of a, a, a bit of a shame, to be honest. Does the original portraits include the original design for Erika? Yeah, I imagine mm-hmm. so. Yeah, because Erica and this one, uh, the new one has like the her long hair. Yeah, the characters are the same design, just different art style, except for Erica, who has the yeah, Erica. design. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the first print copies of this also has a, a different uh, art design, which is like a more super deformed chibi uh, style. Kind of reminds me of the original Seventh Dragon or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, other new things coming with this, uh, aside from the new uh, storyline, is it has voices uh, now. And there's two modes of play, which is actually pretty interesting. There's this perfect mode, which uh, actually in- intertwines the new sub-history mode into the original game. So you have uh, access to all three uh, storylines through it. And then uh, the append mode, which this th- third sub-history is only going to be unlocked if you complete the first two histories or timelines from the original game. So I'm kind of interested to see how they intertwine uh, this one into the main original game. Yeah, because the original game is pretty... Uh... Like it, it's Complete. pretty robust in the way in the the way timelines interact. Like, yeah, the, I mean, it's time travel, so things get a little wibbly wobbly or whatever. But um, I think it it 
it's pretty well knit together. But mm-hmm. so like uh, introducing a new history to that, if it's significant, it doesn't seem like it'd be like uh, that, I have to imagine that's kind of tr- that have to be tricky unless it has it's just to, like loose. Yeah, sure. I, I hope it's I hope it's more involved. But in a way that it kind of enhances it somehow, because Radiant Astoria is already just like the storyline. It just feels very satisfying. As yeah, well. it's one of the very few instances in video games that actually handles time travel uh, responsibly. Yes, <laughs> it, those dead ends. They're actual dead ends in that game, so it helps. Yeah, so it's. Uh, I'm very cool to see that Radiant Astoria uh, is coming back again and just. You know, sure, it's not a sequel, but I don't think that game really needs a sequel. Yeah, I was, I I was actually, it... when, when actually when they announced it, like uh-huh. I was actually thinking when they teased it, we didn't really know what it was yet. Yeah, I was actually kind of thinking like, man, I hope it's not a sequel. Cause I wasn't convinced. Yeah, I wasn't convinced um, that it was because it wrapped up so well that I would. It, yeah, it, didn't it, seem it like feels it like such a standalone story, and it, like you, you don't want like another Chrono Cross situation or something like that. Where it's, yeah, oh, I totally want another Chrono Cross situation. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think Chrono Cross is kind of unnecessary, but I think it's so necessary. But yeah, we'll leave it at that. So that's yeah. that's that Radiant Story of Perfect Chronology <laughs> only announced for Japan so far. They labeled it as a remake, but yeah, it's still got the yeah. same. It's like, like if you look at the game, like it, it looks or something. The same. Them, yeah. I, I do like that it's still sprites, though. Like if they oh, were yeah, to same. if they were to change it to like like the 3ds like chibi models no, that were I would hate the aesthetic that. so much so oh, i do tough. like that they, that they kept the sprites um so i, I kind of appreciate that yeah, yeah so aside from that they also announced that strange journey is also getting a remake yeah that's this is wild that's the two of my favorite ds games are yeah, getting remakes. Uh, like if i were to consider like my favorite original ds games ds has a lot of like um you know remakes or uh ports or whatever but like Radiant Historia and Strange Journey are two of them. Uh, I think like World Ends with You would be up there too. But like these two games, both Atlas games, um, both getting remakes. That's that's neat. Yeah, uh, remakes is what they call them. So, yeah. so this one, they're they're calling it Shin Megami Tensei Deep Strange Journey. Um, got out this fall in Japan. Uh, of course, labeled in the same vein as a quote unquote remake as this Radiant Historia one. Also has a new uh, route as well, like a new ending route. Uh, in the original one, you had the Law Neutral and Chaos. Uh, routes like in any smt game uh, but this involves a new female character named alex and other than that than that like the, the other big change here is that the the main character artist is not not kazuma kaneko anymore it's uh masuki doi from smt4 and apocalypse so you can see some of uh, his uh, character illustrations up on the site now and uh there's a uh, voice acting and a uh, quality of life features like save anywhere because in the original I actually played uh, a little bit of the original strange journey this morning uh they had save terminals uh in that game and it, it could have been uh, it was a little punishing because like the dungeon design in that game which i actually really like is you know is very tricky so you could lose like you know a lot of uh, yeah, uh time and progress strange journey like is it. a just a tough game like it is a punishing game it, it's kind of like it's more old school kind of it kind of feels like like nocturne a bit in terms of it's definitely like tougher than the SMT4 games, and it sometimes it can get frustrating. I mean, that was kind of the the tone that that game had, where like you maybe hadn't saved in a while, and you get you know unlucky with uh, a certain battle or whatever, and then you kind of lose progress. And the dungeons were tricky, and mm-hmm. Sector E, everyone oh, loves yeah. Sector E. Oh my God, Sector E it was uh, definitely an experience that you know, more people should go through. I used, I used the Japanese wiki for that. I was just like, I am not dealing. 
Yeah, you know, once you actually like see some like the map dungeon designs, you're just yeah. like, how the fuck can any mere person like navigate this? This is insane. Uh, it's it's such a cool game though. It's it it's, is so cool. It has a much better tone, I think, than like SMT4s did. It's more. It's it's more about exploring the unknown. It's more about like it's it's more grounded in real like just the basic story yeah. premises. You're part of this squad that's exploring a, a phenomenon in Antarctica, and then so you all enter into it, and then you're stuck in some sort of like pseudo like dimension type of deal. Uh, so you have to like, go through like like layers to get out of that uh, situation uh, in it. it. It's 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 weird. Yeah. Like they have they have pseudo. yeah whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. You just uh, hung up on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I will. I will. Yeah, I will never get get over that pronunciation of that. I, but... I do. I do like this last part though that you mentioned is that some demon de- designs redesigns from Four and Apocalypse will be in Deep Strange Journey along with Maria from Shimagami Tensei Line, which was a Xbox original Xbox exclusive in Japan. How, that was supposed. How to much is that too? Sorry. Yeah. How much of the time do they just recycle all these assets, considering it's the same things in every game? Yeah, that's a good point. A lot. I mean, like, good if we think about how many games on 3DS from Atlas are remakes, like, there's the Bolt of Devil Survivors, there's Soul Hackers. Uh, God, yeah, there's a lot did. of them. They, I've, they, just been, I've been thinking about it a lot with Persona 5, because I've been wondering how many of the demons they had to build again for ue4 and how many they were able to just port over and give some nicer textures probably no yeah. they, 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 i think they probably had to i think persona 5 was definitely uh they, they couldn't have because the last time you had like 3d demons was like nocturne i think yeah like there are no like the, like the classic shimagami tensei or persona demons like they don't exist on ps3 really yeah they, or, they, or that yeah. generation I, I was doing some early like comparisons of like the demon models from persona 5 and nocturne and like they're the models in Persona Five are definitely built from the ground up. They they are not ported over, so it's uh that was a massive massive effort on their part to kind of transition that. So mm-hmm. we know they're making a, an SMT game for Switch, and it sounds like it's not going to be Switch exclusive, so it'll probably hit PS4 as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is uh, uh, this this is labeled as a 25th anniversary. So yeah, on so their, on their site. May, maybe they can use some of those assets, and they're making a. It might be mainline. It might be Nocturne another... remastered. Or I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're totally using person. They're totally they're making, the they're totally making writing three assets. Totally. For... Oh man, I would love that digital Devil Saga three. Yeah, but other than the Deep Strange Journey and um, Radiant Historia on the on the stream, you also had uh, Etrian Mystery Dungeon two for 3DS, which is developed co-developed by Atlas and Spike Chunsoft, and. You know, I I didn't actually play the original. I, I I played and reviewed the original Etrian Mystery Dungeon. It was actually one of the very first roguelike games I played. I, mean, mm-hmm. I was familiar with the genre, but I just hadn't really ever played one. Um, and it was like I felt it was a competent game, and it like it, you know, it worked. But it was also just really straightforward. Kind of, it kind of felt like like an introductory roguelike. Um, it was definitely much simpler than something like than something like Shiren. Um, so I mean, which I guess makes sense if it's being just a spin-off of Etrian Odyssey. So it wasn't a bad game. It's just kind of there. Yeah, uh, I think the only like new thing out of that was there were new classes like farmer, monk, alchemist, and then uh, the kinkaku, which are essentially like professional samurai, like the samurai in like suits and stuff. Um, like, sort of yakuza kind of style. But yeah, kind of, kind, of, kind of like, but but like in more like, more like bodyguard feudal Japan. Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah and more like feudal Japan. They had like more uh, like like adorned wear from like the emperor, for example. Missionaries kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and then the pirate. And that, that was a that was only like this like 
I I liked what happened at the Atlas stream, but it took way too long, man. They it was like so much. Oh my god! For Atlas, I know it's that's is. just the Japanese way, yeah, though. It's it like is. you know, it's like every single Final Fantasy Atlas, 15 active time report where they just flapped their lips for ages and said <laughs> yeah. like said like I one thing that the they could communicate in two seconds. I, I'd like wrapping up the Etrian Mystery Dungeon two segment of that like took at least. 10 minutes even though they've been egging on the end of it for like two minutes in during that i was like no you gotta be fucking kidding me (laughs) this isn't happening right now (laughs) i was like losing my mind a little bit other than that i mean that's what happened at the at the spring stuff Uh, that's all for their releases this year so uh, obviously uh that hd project is still you know or i imagine fairly early in development obviously project refantasy is in the recruitment phase so that's very far off and you know uh, just like the vita 3ds has still got a tail to it <laughs> so yeah you know it's still a reason to keep your 3ds around i, yeah. I had, no switch news that was kind of shocking to me so, uh, it's early days yeah yeah but i, I think, really I think so, a lot of people I, I, I do have been think waiting. the fact sorry well, no, go ahead adam sorry i, I like when it was just Radiant Historia, you know, I thought I felt like there was a bit more hesitation. Like, will this get localized? You know, because if that gets localized, it's going to be like a late 2017 game on 3DS at earliest, um, maybe 2018. And like, how much how much more life does the 3DS have? But now that Atlas has announced several more 3DS games, like you know, I, I doubt they're doubling they, down. I doubt the US branch they can't ignore all of them, and especially like SMT oh, being a core brand. I that one's, I figure that one's got to come over. Um, but I mean, there were a couple of ports like that. Like I, someone brought up, uh, persona Two: eternal punishment never got localized. Yeah. Um, yeah, that still stings, which is because that's they, they did like, the first part and it bombed there, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah the thing. it did. Mm-hmm. I felt like, and, and I, 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 thought, I thought there was some like weird, like localization, like tech issue with that too, or something. I don't The one know. thing that might work against this game is we need to see how 3ds stuff holds up in the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In well, a I, I, we, we were talking about it in our staff room and like there aren't that many 3ds games announced there's fire emblem for the west i mean there's like there's fire emblem there's a couple of games from nice america like rpg maker and called sep and uh like mario party or mario sports and that's like it uh there's, it seems like it's dwindling. That, that's always been of like the weird thing between Atlas Japan and Atlas USA is Atlas Japan really likes to support like the last days of like a previous console or handheld. PS2. While Atlas, <laughs> yeah, while Atlas USA is very hesitant about like going on like treading on that. Like that's exactly what happened to Persona 2: Eternal Punishment PSP. Is like there was not a feasible PSP market in the, in the West by the time that was in the equation in Japan. And that's gonna a lot of these uh, remakes and uh, and Mystery Dungeon Two like that's working against them because the 3DS's like days are numbered in the West while it's still very you know healthy in Japan. Well, so it, that that's the and like the weird thing about it is that mm-hmm. they haven't they haven't even like announced anything about Etrian Odyssey Five yet yeah. in the West and that's been out for like almost almost a year in Japan and they haven't said a word about that uh, like. Nothing. <laughs> it, should, it should be worth to point out, though, is that now that Atlas is owned by Sega, there could be a slightly better chance for that stuff. Because I've been playing Valkyrie Chronicles 3, and that game is far and away a really damn good game that I wish would have been localized. So it's like, I hope that they, they do consider it, but maybe now that they've got like Sega's coffers in it, maybe they'll be able to do... There's a better chance than before, like with uh, Persona 2. That this, that those games could come over eventually, even if it's for the 3DS, because they're still an established I mean, fan base and all that. Yeah, and Atlas is definitely like no stranger to these kind of weird like <laughs> no, late no releases. Journey to it. 
uh, that's not what I meant, but oh, like like Persona Four and <laughs> Persona Four and and Raidu Two both came out like a year or two after the PS3, uh, or the localized version. When was Raidu Two? Like 2008. Yeah, So this is definitely like territory they've been in before, where they're mm. new games on old consoles. So. PS, PS, we're talking about like as Alex said, it's like it's too too early with the Switch, but the 3DS, you know, there's still a lot of people with those I mean, systems. So and the 3DS was, I mean, had a pretty healthy year last year i mean fire emblem and pokemon, pokemon and dragon quest and, like saved it yeah for the most part so like it 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 just it feels like it kind of fell off a cliff though after that <laughs> like there hasn't been much since pokemon from nintendo but you know for third parties i, I guess think, the, 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 this really the is, oh, go for it i was just gonna say i think i think the thing that's gonna happen is um i think a lot of these bets will have been made prior and yeah. now it's becoming clear that uh that there's some the switches seems to have some pretty good traction at the minute yes been mm-hmm. in the same the fact that they said they're going to double production kind of shows that and they i think they actually put out what they said like they're trying to get like was it 20 million switch consoles by the end of the year it was like nintendo's uh forecast so far how many how many we use have been sold total like uh five or something like that yeah. like, like six i don't know what it was it wasn't that many but the switch obviously has got a lot of momentum behind it it's probably due in part because people weren't sold on that device but the idea of having like zelda of all games uh being able to take that wherever you go that by itself was a good enough reason and of course you got a mario coming up and all and i'm just Splatoon. hoping that new mario nails it man i'm yeah. really hoping it because if that mario oh, hits mario. Oh, of course fuck. it will <laughs> well it, it, i'm sure it will be i'm sure it will be a commercial hit because it's a mario game but i think the big thing that's on everybody's minds now is if that mario game is as good a mario game as breath of the world is a zelda game yes then that's going to be <laughs> Pretty good one punch. you're in the city what else <laughs> what could be wrong about that mario mario 06 new donk city 20, <laughs> 2017 the year of the of the donk city so that's uh, yeah that was a the anyways atlas 3ds ports yeah so that was that was a big news coming out of atlas's spring 2017 live stream event so once again that was japan focused so talking about Etrian odyssey 5 that doesn't mean that that game is uh, not going to come over here eventually, but it makes me wonder. I thought 4 did pretty damn well, so I was kind of hoping that 5 would be kind of in short release, but that was out like last August, I think, so hopefully you'll hear about that soon. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the last piece of news that we've got here. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. we've got some new battle system details. That game continues to look better and better and better. Uh, it's kind of like that um, antithesis to how Final Fantasy Fifteen is so focused on the action and Eleven is sort of still keeping a lot of the traditional aspects while also introduce uh, more elements, not doing a huge switch. So um, what uh, what kind of the details about that they can share with us? I forget who did the news story about this. Uh, I'll, I'll do it, yeah. Sure. So the, the, they just had a, like, you know, a brief uh, look into it. It's actually like a, a real first look into the battle system because it they've done good. some teaser screenshots <laughs> and whatnot. But the PS4 version of that is uh, like a free movement battle system. So you can get you have this 3D space you can run around freely in. Which is the uh, first I mean, for Dragon Quest? Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a big change. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and this all like they didn't go the, divulge too much into what you can do in that. Just just that big transition alone is already a big change in Dragon Quest. But there's also this auto camera battle thing, which they didn't really uh, go into too much as well. I assume it's going to be like you know uh, like ang- camera angle shots on whenever you like do a special like move or skill or whatever. 
uh, to make that look more cinematic. It's like so that, a little bit, yeah, or not? Yeah, a little bit. And um, and then the 3DS version is uh, more of what the uh, fans, uh, traditional fans, are used to. But at this time, it'll have a, a 2D and 3D modes for the battle. Just like it's not, it's nothing new and out there because we already knew beforehand that the the two, uh, 3DS version of the Dragon Quest 11 will have a 2D and 3D mode to it. 3D being more of like the more recent Dragon Quest releases that were came out for the 3DS, and the 2D mode is well, it's Dragon Quest release, exactly, yeah. yeah. And that'll be more a classic turn-based style, uh, as you've you've always been comfortable with in Dragon Quest. So I think that's a that's it's very interesting to see how this will look in motion, especially the PS4 version with a definitely a more action-oriented uh, style to it. Have they said whether like the so it's, it's definitely not going to be. Yeah, so I'm just going to ask. Well, like, I don't know the, if we talked about the... this last week or whatnot, but mm-hmm. they, they're having a, oh, they're having an it. announcement on April 11th to basically say when it's coming. Out. Oh yeah, it's coming out the Japanese release date. That's right. Yeah. I just wanted so, to ask: Did they make? Did they make it, it, it pretty much has to be this year because this year is. Yeah, we, yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry, right. I'm just talking over you. <laughs> I just want. Anyways, to this ask. year is like what the Go this ahead. year is what the 30th anniversary. So. Mm-hmm. Go for it, Zach. I was just going to ask. They, they also they need this game this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, um, they do. We don't know what else is coming in the back end of the year. I mean, I, there, there are definitely some unannounced uh, Square Japan games later this year, um, but also, you know, they don't have, as far as we know, a big big hitter. Uh, you know, in the in the realm of one of their top franchises, there's no Tomb Raider this year. There's no... Well, unless that Shadow of the Tomb Raider turns out to be this year, maybe they announced it at E3 and it's out by maybe. Christmas, maybe. But yeah. there's no Tomb Raider, there's no Deus Ex. There'll be a second okay. season of Hitman, but that's not... Is who that... knows how much that's going to cost. That might not even be a full price thing. Um, there's obviously no Final Fantasy mainline game, unless Seven Remake first part is way further along than we think. Um, what so about they all need, the DLC? <laughs> they need, well, there's that. Yeah, Project again, Path. The there's um, the. What are we? Are we? RPG we're super factory. excited for episode prompt, though. <laughs> Joking. Silence. So <laughs> there's uh, there is project. There's yeah, yeah. No, uh, the last thing I want to hear about is prompto. I have to make myself look better so other people will like me. <laughs> That's like I. I, I Wait, you're cutting out, you're, Zach. You're cutting out, but yeah. I'll say. That DLC is hopefully it's good, but it's not exactly going to set the world on fire, is it? That's no, I, I think most of the fire is already passed on FF15. I, I think uh, I said this around. Uh, I think games like Zelda changed the changed the discussion a little bit, and something that I've been thinking about a lot is I probably would have scored 15 lower than I did in a post Zelda world. And it's one of those funny things. I actually think uh, Andromeda is a better game than Final Fantasy XV. But on the site, it scored lower because it's been a very momentous six months for games. And games and expectations around games have moved significantly between September last year and now. Um, And so it's one of those funny things. Mass Effect got, got a point lower than Final Fantasy. But if they... But if I'd reviewed them on the same week, Mass Effect would have scored higher. I, I, but the conversation based changed. Based on what I heard and high. what I played of Final Fantasy 15, I totally, you know, that makes sense to me. Um, it's it's yeah. a weird it's a weird time because you have all these like great games coming out, some that are hit hit very very big, 
and because kind of just on impact kind of has whole changed the whole landscape of gaming just in recently it's it's a very cool weird time to live in with all these just just turning out like just really good games it's a it's, good time it, to be playing like, video games kind of re- <laughs> rebalance the scale in a sense mm-hmm. yeah I, I remember uh, last year when we were doing our game of the year podcast like we were, we were even discussing how none of the big console games seemed like they could be our winner for like best overall game like they were all disappointing in ways and this year is going to be totally the opposite i think yeah <laughs> which game yeah on I, I fear for uh a lot yeah, of time. God, like that's <laughs> twice as long. I mean, to do the deliberations. Just, just, just early games this year. We have near Persona. You even have games like Horizon, which I, I almost feel like. Well, there's, I almost there's, feel there's, like Horizon. You know, there's there's near Persona. There's Horizon. Neo. I think. Um, I think there are some categories where there's going to be a case for bits of Mass Effect. There's Neo, um, and I think a very, very real discussion has to have about has to be had about exactly how deep we categorize zelda yeah, yeah. given I, how much the systems have changed you yeah. can't forget trails and trails in the um, sky part three yeah. coming out too <laughs> so it's i love yeah. trails, uh, trails the third to death but <laughs> just go off go off topic a little bit i've heard a lot of great things about trails in the third and the way it structures the game and so it's I'm my favorite looking trails, forward yeah. to that yeah, out of the whole series, it's my favorite. So. Then how can you say you're not sure about it? <laughs> Until then, it's your favorite. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's that's Until it then. for news. I don't know about how good my mic is going to be, but we'll just wrap things up. I'll here. wrap it up, Zach, because you're cutting yeah, out. Yeah, you're, you're cutting you, out. You've got uh, some yeah. serious connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But that'll wrap up uh, the Tetracast for this week. You can uh, visit our site over at rpgsite.net and our Twitter over at, at rpgsite facebook.com slash rpg site net and our youtube over at youtube.com slash rpg site net where you can find a lot of zelda and a bit of mass effect and as well as you can follow us over at itunes at tetracast and you can join our discord server at discord.me me slash rpg site and just uh, wrap it all off our twitter handles you can follow me at hd kirin hdkirin by you adam uh k-i-n-g underscore s-e-d-a and Alex, uh, I'm at AP Zone Runner. Um, well, if you don't understand how to write that out, uh, go to Donaldson.Zone. That's my surname, and you'll find a link to my Twitter and everything else on there. And you can follow Zach at Zach Reese. Until then, thank you for joining me for our beefy discussion on Mass Effect and all the news this week. Till next time. Thank you.